Yeah, we went to the premiere screening, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they gave. Oh. I got to keep that. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with it. It'll probably end up in the trash <laughs> soon, but it's fun for now. I'll <laughs> take it off your hands if you don't want. <laughs> Need some kitchen decor. Where about you guys? Where about you guys based again? Because I know you're US. Uh, Rhode Island. Oh, oh, you're not not too far away from me then, really, just up the road. Yeah, basically, yeah, because you're out. Okay. You're Virginia, you said, right? Yeah, just outside DC. I can literally throw a stone and hit DC from here. Oh man, if we do the live Connery Curious, we gotta have him come down for that. <laughs> That'd be insane. I'd absolutely do that. <laughs> We're like cooking up a little idea for something down the line for like a, a Connery fest, if you will. Just last well, thing I've been looking yes. for. So that's that. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you saying, Chris? I've been looking through the films you've been going through, and you've done a decent chunk so far. I, I need to see The Offense. I still haven't seen that yet. Mm. And oh, you know... uh, brace yourself. Did you listen to the episode? I've not listened to it yet because I want to listen to it after I've seen it, but I know it's one which is a pretty brutal watch. It's very brutal. Yeah, yeah it's it's tough. It's it's a you'd really think it's a it's a thinker of a movie and um Yeah. You need a shower afterwards. Because <laughs> that's thing, my dad always said it was a tough one, and he was surprised by it because he's he's a massive Sean Connery fan. And I saw your post, which reminded me of it. And my book club just finished this book, the definitive biography of Sean Connery. Oh, whoa! We need and to they, read that. Yeah, they go into detail about it in there too, about like you know how he's is the film role where he considered his like best acting, all that sort of stuff. Like it was the one he like, not necessarily tried the hardest with, but actually you know got the got to act as opposed to just doing one one liners and stuff like that. Similar mm. to Roger Moore and the Man Who Haunted Himself, which is also worth a watch. The man who haunted himself. Well, well, that was another thing we were talking about is what we're going to do next. And uh, we're going to get into the Roger Moore movies as well. Yeah, what's done to Connery? Like, what are you going next? I guess more. Nice. The rest, the rest, you, literally more. Yeah, more. You would just watch oh, more, no, I, watch more movies. That's probably what we're going to call it. Is doing this podcast made me way more interested more. in uh, Michael Caine, too. Mm. Well, I think Michael Caine and Sean Connery were very good friends in real life, too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, let's let's do Kane Curious. Kane That's Kane. not bad. I'll, I'll, would you I'll do um? See Italian job. Would you do like with Roger Moore's ones? Would you do some of his TV shows as well? Obviously, not watch the entire series, but watch an episode together. I, I feel like oh, that's, for sure. that's very important. For sure. Same well, we just talk about quite a bit. We just added on the list, um, Sean Connery's BBC's Macbeth. Oh yes, yeah. So, um, I'm excited to watch that. Yeah, stuff like the Persuaders for Roger Moore, you could arguably get through the entire series. Not too, it wouldn't take too long because there's only a few episodes. But stuff like the Saint, you'd be around for a while with that one. Yeah, yeah P- Pierce Brosnan too did a lot of TV too, right? Yeah, he three seasons of Remington Steel or four, yeah. right. three or four, and they it prevented him being Bond earlier because they initially yeah. wanted him. Remington Steel said no, so they got Tim Dalton instead. What do you think that would have been like? Oh man. I feel like it, Living Daylights, Tim Dalton. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Excuse me. I feel like he's still have been a bit too young at that point. I feel like his um he kind of his style and the way he acts was definitely refined by Remington Steel, which is not normally a sentence I think I'd say. Um, but he was more Did ready. You to say the steel sharpened it. Hey. hey. <laughs> 
Um, I th- I think it's good it happened when it did. Granted, Living Daylights is not a favorite, but License to Kill is. I can't really see Brosnan doing License to Kill. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're... I actually could. I don't know if if you put a different if you didn't have David Hedison David Hedison as Lighter, you cast mm-hmm. a different uh, younger Felix Lighter. I could see it because then you have a more impulsive Bond. Yeah, throwing off his duty, and it'd be more like a Craig film. Yes, I'd rather have seen Dalton start a film earlier. As much as I love View to a Kill, I think just the fight on the Golden Gate Bridge with Christopher Walken and Timothy Dalton would have been way more intense. Wow! Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, both of you in the same place this time. This is adorable. Yeah. Right. This is a little indeed, and in a new spot. Funny. Yeah. Too much podcast. Because so my wife is doing a podcast at the house. <laughs> so I'm like, no, I need the, the recording. Like, no, no, I gotta do my. I'm like, I guess I'm going to Dylan. Dylan, I gotta shack it up with you today. So it's comfortable. This is nice. Don't have a couch like this at my place. Well, I can see at the back. There's at least two guitars. I think possibly three. An electronic drum kit and some other things. Yeah, this, this, this is the my studio. So I can see what you are seeing. Forgive me. I've got the TV here. All this to my side. Man of white. It looks okay. like. It- Looks like it could be a Fender headstock or something that's close to it. That is a Fender jazz, a uh, Squire jazz bass, excuse me, five string. Nice. And I've got um, a McCartney Hofner bass. I've you got, got a, a seven string. What was that? Is there a 12 string right behind as well? Yes, there is a 12 string acoustic that desperately needs new strings. Mm. Um, there is a seven string Jackson, which is cheap. And then there's an equally cheap, um, I think it's a first act, but it's like, nice the red one yeah, yeah it's it's, act, it's yeah. pretty nice actually it plays really nicely are you a musician uh i dabble i'm a drummer primarily but my parents refused to buy me a drum kit so i moved on to guitar and i've got wow four back in the uk i've only got one here i've got my squire jaguar here at the moment but back home i've got a prs and epiphone and another squire and Ooh. one weird knockoff guitar that somebody gave me for like my birthday and it's clearly worth like 40 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> we all have that one guitar Oh yeah. <laughs> well then let's let's start this podcast by going into our musician bona fides. Mario, start it off. My bona fides? Like, yeah. Like what we're all gear? if we're all musicians here, let's talk about it. Like what gear do I have? Are you asking me? Or... Just or in general. Like tell tell us about how you're a musician. Like play guitar and a lot of lead guitar and several bands, blues rock, hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. So kind of like a older sound, you know. Plays a mean Les Paul. A mean Les. I'm obsessed with Les Paul. That's my main. Though I like, I like a good Strat. I want to get a Strat. I'm thinking about trading off one of Les Pauls for a Strat. I need that single coil Mm. feel, you know. But mainly Les Paul into a Marshall. So classic, you know, Jimmy Page slash all those guys. I think I love as much as I love Les Pauls. I don't know what it is. I'm so I'm so drawn to Telecasters. I love a good Telecaster. Telecasters, yeah. Oh, I love that, that's that's always the it's it's kind of like the Pepsi and Coke, the Telecaster yeah. and the Strat, where it's like which one, you know, purist will be like, oh, this this kind of kind of a twangy farty sound. I don't like that the Strat's a little smoother. It's a little cleaner. Like that style. I love that style right there. This mm. is a nameless brand. Clearly, uh, clearly assembled by somebody three very different pickups in it i slapped the sticker on it but it, i found this for 69 dollars, which is nice. one of the reasons why i bought it because <laughs> i'm immature nice. um, but it is also one of the smoothest guitars i've ever played in my life oh i love that and i put 70 more dollars into just kind of 
tightening it up and it sounds incredible and it's one of my favorites that i do a lot of recording with anyway that's a humbucker at the bottom isn't it yeah and it sounds nasty (laughs) like really nice tones on all three of these weird pickups so somebody clearly loved this and then just or or just threw it together but also like in a in a in a way that mattered you know what i mean yeah like i, I love these that. weird frankenstein parts but together they're just gonna make a fucking mean monster you think the person who made that or like you know constructed it died and his soul is now in the guitar i hope so <laughs> i hope so well i need to change its strings as well literally every stringed instrument in this house needs new strings all right <laughs> yeah there's the season um, let me put this down, and then I have more to discuss on this music front. Oh yeah, um, music in this film, perhaps. Yes, yes, but but even before we get into that, because you brought up the uh, little gathering, so let's let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd like to run it by you as well. As you said that you're right up the road from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I've been thinking. We've been thinking. I've really been thinking about it. I don't know how much you've been thinking about it, Mario, but I've really been thinking about it because That's what we're talking about uh, the root beer you just drank. That's oh, what yeah. I'm really thinking about. Um, uh, I want Pepsi over here. Ooh, Pepsi. Nice. Well, look at that label. It's like an older looking Pepsi. Yes. Oh. Like a re-release of an old one. I'm not really sure. Like it doesn't 70s or 80s. Yeah, it looks like an old, old logo. Mm. Love the block fonts. Mm. Me too. <laughs> um, so our last film is determined. Determined, yes. It's going to be Sir Billy. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it's his last film. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. But we're also thinking about doing it as a live event. Oh, okay. A live screening of the film, and record the podcast live. Oh, I see. Okay, so as as we're watching. No, afterwards. Okay. We, we watch right. as a group. It's literally 80 minutes. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, we just have, you know. Serve drinks. Uh, yeah, drinks and food. And uh, You're going to have to drink to see this movie. Yeah. We've seen yeah. we've seen small clips of it. Yeah. Like, wow, this is like. I say, have, what, you, have you ever seen it? Wasn't it like 2002 or something? 12. Then 12, that was it. And it was, um, yeah. he's kind of raising money because it's a Scottish made film and he wanted to kind of boost it, uh, bolster it, didn't he? It was yeah, like it was the, the first... first Scottish CGI film, yeah. yeah. And no, I've never seen it. <laughs> it, it shows, it shows it's the first, it's, it's really, it's bizarre. Or we I, don't want to go too deep into it because we're dying to see it. Like, I, I don't want to watch a trailer, like, I've only seen a few images and a few like little clips. clips. Like, I've watched the trailer a handful of times. He drives a DB5 in it. Oh, there's so many. The, Shirley Bassey did a song for this movie. Jesus. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I'm sorry. A song was written for this movie, and Shirley Bassey was hired to sing it. Oh, no, no, no. She knew what she was getting into. Uh, yes, yeah, so a paycheck. Oh, yeah. A very easy paycheck because they, they did it. There's literally a documentary on how they recorded the song. I've I've done a little bit of research on this film. It's the equivalent but... of Phil Collins working on the Tarzan movie. Just Honestly, <laughs> I'm the fact that she did it because she's Welsh. Surely she should have got like a famous Scottish singer. Hmm. I'm assuming it's more likely that she's a bigger name, Paul, and Connery could probably pull a favor with Shirley Bassey. Hmm. Well, it's littered with Bond references, apparently. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but 
we're thinking of doing a live screening of it and then record the podcast afterwards. Nice. And then possibly, so the other night, uh, well, no, actually about three weeks now at this point, or two weeks, I don't know, <laughs> uh, around around Halloween, next door, there's a, a lot next to my house, and the owner of the business on the other side of that lot is really cool, and he had a big inflatable screen uh, and projected Nosferatu. Oh, wow. And and had a jazz band called Quantum Moon do a score to it. <laughs> it was incredible. And it, they did it last year as well. So it was just, I just got to pull out a chair onto my driveway and, and enjoy this. So and OTT. So what, what was that? So over the top. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was an incredible experience. And now I kind of want to... Maybe after that podcast recording, we play Sir Billy again and have a band, have, have musicians play over scenes in the movie, but like songs of their own. You don't have to do a score to it, but yeah. let's like have musicians play, have bands yeah. play during that 80 minute period oh, God. while what's Sir the, Billy is playing in the background. What's the morbid song going to be as the film ends? I mean, now that's the end of Sean, Sean Connery's cinematic career. Is it going to be last post like the army? <laughs> um. Hmm. or or we could you know get everyone that is that we know that is musicians such as yourself maybe we do songs from the filmography you know like you know we play diamonds are forever we uh we play the theme from shalico (laughs) you know um what other what other great songs have we encountered on this journey do do you remember any I'd say rig up, rig up a rig up a guitar, electric guitar to make the sound effects from Zardos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we, you found like an album, a concept album, right? For Zardos, like a band made a yes, concept album yeah. for that film. Um, let me find it. And yeah. it was like we listened to a few tracks, or like I think it's kind of like one of those like Pink Floyd. Wizard of Oz type things where you watch it while playing the album. I'd like... say I, I can imagine there's a lot of the Pink Floyd Wizard of Oz stoners being like, dude, you need to see this film and listen to this. And it's, it's, oh, yeah. Play it the was... songs backwards. It oh, is yeah. a band called Castle If. I just sent you the link. Oh, that sounds exactly like the sort of brand my brother would listen to. It's it's <laughs> just kind of synthesizer. Oh, my God. That album art. Yeah. <laughs> Look at those nicely drawn nips. Imagine oh, yeah. somebody flicking through like your CD shelf and seeing that. To quote the <laughs> Michael Bay Friday the Thirteenth, "Perfect nipple placement." <laughs> Imagine that on a vinyl record, though. That's hard. I want this on a vinyl record. Maybe I'll buy this. I got given a vinyl record for my birthday, and it's the weirdest, most convoluted thing. There's basically a musical I love uh, called War of the Worlds. Um, the based off the book, which Is of it, course. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, continue i'm sorry that one yes yep yep yeah who's the artist uh the artist is uh jeff wayne yes and so basically there's a picture in that which i really love and it's like because the this entire bit has the whole art pullouts and this sort of thing i love i love that art on the cover that's so beautiful there's one picture I particularly love because it's a reference to Dali and it's when the parson is like holding back the aliens and it's just over there. Somebody gave me this massive framed picture while well, my school gave me this massive framed picture for my birthday and they decided instead of using like an, on- an online version, they took the pictures from the in book of the vinyl, laid them out, got them flat, got them professionally pla- trained, uh, professionally framed. I mean, the frame, frame is heavy as hell. Um, and then they were like, ah, oh, 
And we've got this vinyl left. <laughs> like, they spent uh, God knows how much money on this vinyl anyway, just for a picture to put in the frame. It's the most over-the-top thing they could have done. But, like, that's sort of the whole, like, concept album stuff. That's, like, the peak of it for me. And, wow. yeah, I'm gonna, I need to hang it up somewhere, but I don't know where to put it because it's it's damn heavy and I rent, so I need to put it. <laughs> it's fine putting up, you know, like, Pierce and Roger, this sort of thing. Yeah. But that thing, it's insane. But, yeah, my school just... School just decided to do that as opposed to just printing off a picture online and putting it in a ten dollar Amazon frame. God knows how much it spent on it. Wow. Well, that's a very kind of them. It is indeed. I I forget when I told them that I like that picture specifically and I like that musical, but they got it spot on. Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's nice working for a private school with forty two kids and parents with more money than sense. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So you're a teacher. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm a um a grade five and middle school math teacher. Oh wow, that is awesome! I don't think we knew that. Thank you for your service to our youth. No, no worries. <laughs> to be fair, with the the kids I work with, um, I work at a school for children with severe to uh, well, from moderate with moderate to a severe dyslexia and dyscalculia. Um, so obviously there's quite a few learning differences we have to go through there. Um, but these are all parents who are paying top dollar for their kids to learn in a multi-sensory way so for example when i teach i'm teaching volume at the moment we literally build everything that we measure and that gives them the understanding gives them the, the process and as we go towards algebra in middle school that's when we start going towards the more basic formula but everything is like physical multi-sensory every lesson is hands-on we hardly write anything so it's an interesting wow. way to teach. that's incredible mm, it's good fun <laughs> thank you for your service to the youth it's my pleasure. I'm glad that you guys. You, I'm glad that you guys offered me a job so I can move over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. Oh, well, shit. so on the subject of you being right up the road, should we have such a live event? Would you, uh, would you be game to come up for such a such a live event? Absolutely, as long as it's not a school night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably be a friday or a saturday yeah, looking, at, looking yeah. at a friday or saturday yeah, yeah. there we go yeah that, absolutely i'll be 100 percent involved in that awesome oh heck yeah there we go well, we'd, we'd love to see you and maybe jam and absolutely have some fun in person <laughs> maybe do a, you know a live podcast with you yeah, that'd be great, great. Fun. That's a, yeah. i've done a few podcasts with people where you do finally meet after a while and it's amazing how like even though like on this, we get our point of view across and stuff like that. Normally in person, there's way more cracking up. And I think that's because there's like a, a mild euphoria of like, oh my God, we're in person. So That's one of the reasons why Mario's here tonight. Ah, I see. Oh, for all the excitement, <laughs> yes. Yeah, our energy is uh, way better when we're in the same room together. Yeah. So. It's also much easier to read. I did a podcast for an, a motorsport website for about three years. And it's me, uh, my brother who lived in a different part of England and a guy in Mexico. And the amount of... It, Okay, no, you go. No, it was irritating to me. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Especially somebody who used to do radio back in university and was used to fluid movement and literally like directing as you're doing stuff. Then going to awkward pauses and stunts and knowing that I wasn't editing it and knowing that they probably remain in the final cut killed me. <laughs> I never listened to it. <laughs> oh, righty. Well, I think uh, we are now uh, 17, 18 minutes into this. I think maybe we should. Uh, Are we recording? Yeah, oh, we're recording. <laughs> From the very beginning, I don't think I said a word before the uh, recording in progress started. <laughs> I mean, I knew we were going to have interesting conversation. If there's anything you want me to edit out of that, just tell me. 
No, feel free. I always love good pleasantries on the podcast. <laughs> all right. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that was, uh, I, I mean, that was all good content to me. Shall we For go? lack of a better word, I don't really like that word content, but yeah. conversation worthy of being in a podcast. There yeah. we go. We'll use that. <laughs> so we talked about Bond stuff and stuff relating to Connery and the podcast itself and yeah. the future of the podcast. And Ooh, that is one question I have to ask. Ask. Mm-hmm. T- tell me about your time. At Deezerland. Oh, good lord! So How the, fun is was that? That, the that was museum? the car museum that we actually last time we were together. I think I taught I told a quick story about that museum. Oh, yes, yes, so yes. Chris actually got to go visit, and I've been seeing all these great Instagram posts of cars. I was standing next to it too. I I stood where Chris stood. For goodness' sake, so yeah, fantastic. Uh, but yeah, what do you think of that amazing little experience? It was the most insane thing because um my. My wonderful girlfriend for my 30th birthday gave me this huge trip to Orlando, new state I hadn't been to with Florida, went to Disneyland for the first time. And I wasn't like, a, I'm not a big, a massive Disney fan. There's loads of Disney films I like, but I'll admit I was wrong. Disneyland was incredible. Like the amount of polish I've never seen, like every attention to detail is placed. Yes. We spent one day there. We did one evening at the Universal Horror Nights because they started the Halloween stuff early. So we did like Last of Us Haunted Houses, all this jazz, amazing fun. Um, and she mentioned that there was a Bond museum, but I shouldn't look up any pictures of it. And I've heard of it before. <laughs> I didn't have that much background knowledge. And that turned out to be the main event. We turn up and there's this massive Bond mural on the wall. Like there's a gun barrel, which is about, oh God, 12 times the size of me painted there. And that's when something clicked. I was like, oh, maybe this is a bit more in depth than I was expecting. I wasn't expecting like three or four different vehicles for every single film in the franchise. I mean, it was insane what they have. I've never seen like the dragon car from Dr. No in real life recreated before. Obviously it's not the same one. It's a recreation. Some things are screen use, but some are just like, you know, replicas. And that doesn't make it any less impressive. Mm. Um, But whoever this guy is, Mr. Deezer, he is the most insane collector I've ever met because we then went into like a different, like it's like a warehouse. And the thing is that there's the James Bond part. There's a Batman part. There's cars from Italy from 1960. And then 1970, and then 1980. There's movie cars, like just general. Um, they've got like the car from, you know, Magnum PI, Ghostbusters. They've got like three different versions of Kit from Knight Rider. And wow. it was insane. Like just the amount of stuff this guy had. They had bikes literally like 10 in a shelf with like five or six different shelves around, just of like, you know, Vespers and stuff like that. Bon pun not intended. Um, but it was incredible what this guy had. I went to this like kind of back room. This was past the uh, Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker part. And so we've already seen like, you know, 20 different cars and vehicles. He's got a whole bloody plane with the Goldfinger um, paint job on it. And it's a full size bloody plane. Yeah. Even if it's just a chassis, it's insane. Inside? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Everything. Like, Dylan, you thought of it and it was there. Like, just like little Nelly is like on the ceiling. Like yep. they had like the t- the tank from Golden Eyes out out front because it's too big to fit next oh to the plane. Oh my god! I yeah, they, like they have the Lotus. Like so, they let me like sit in a couple of the car of the cars because it was like my bachelor party and my like best man like gave him a couple dollars, hmm. and like the the car you're sitting in, uh, Roger Morris sat in this, a stunt driver sat in this, and Desmond Llewellyn had sat in this car. It was the same car they used at the dock in spite when you first see the car mm. so it was just used to just drive off they had like stunt cars cars that went a little faster for like the aerial shots oh, yeah. and everything but that was just like a little standard lotus 
that they they used for Roger Moore to just get in and take off with. And it was just weird to like sit in there. And the ass the DB5 from No Time to Die outside the hotel is there too. Wow. Sits next to the plane. It's just like, where did you get these? Where did you get the money to yeah. get all these items? Like it's just it's a, it's like a giant mall. Yeah. It's insane. Wow. That's it. Because you sent me the pictures from your bachelor party as well. And they would they went pretty in depth with you. You got some great shots from that. Yeah, they were like because they they had closed and you know, my, my my best man was so distraught. He's like, I like he has to go see these cars. So they he was able to call up the manager and they let us have a private tour after closing. And so I guess he slipped a few bucks and said, like, hey, can he like touch some of these vehicles? And he's like, I'll let him get into the Lotus. And so I get the sat in a dri- driver's seat. It's so weird. Weird, like interior. It's like checkered. It's like a, it's, a tar- it's like tartan, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like super colorful and like it's weird. It's so sleek outside. And yeah, I cry. I sat in like one of the Goldfinger Rolls Royces that was used for like a driving away scene as well. That like, you know, because they had like three different cars in case mm. they got damaged. Yeah, that's that's um, protocol, I guess, right? You so, make multiple. Yeah, so like some of these cars are very obtainable. They're like they were in the movies, but not used for anything that special. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, if they get it on the first take, sometimes that car doesn't even get used. Yeah, kind of and then you go in the back, and there's like gadgets and yeah. Monopoly games, board games I never knew existed. Like there's so much merchandise. There's like, like 80 cans of Sprite, which have special 007 like advertising. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I like wanted to like. Oh, it's not 007 up. Hey, <laughs> yeah, it was like that might be the best joke I've ever made. <laughs> so, my best friend was trying to like get them. Like, can he take like a little gadget? How much to get like a gadget? Like, he, he was like trying to buy one of the gadgets off the guy, trying to get your he's gadget. Like, he's like, can I get the transmitter that goes in Connery's shoe? <laughs> they they mm-hmm. have that, the little transmitter. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so insane. So I'm glad that Chris got to see that. Now we got to get you there to these. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yep. And now that we've mentioned it on the podcast, it's a tax write-off. Yep. There you go. There it is. Well, the thing I find amazing is that like, looks like we're all- going boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll meet you there. Looking at all this stuff and the fact he's got like, you know, 70 cans of 007 up, some empty, some full. It's 007. like, 70. Is- there you go. Even better. <laughs> it's just like, this guy is clearly a hoarder, but he just won. <laughs> Like he's all his dream. <laughs> like in some of the cars, they even speaking of Connery out in the lobby area, they had the car from um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, that like crazy white yeah. car. And I'm like, I don't why know, do you... I don't know which car this is. I, oh, I, you haven't? Seen I've it? never seen this film. Oh, you'll, you'll appreciate it. Have but you like... seen League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Uh, I've seen it, but a very long time ago, and it was during university, so I can't guarantee what I was up to at that time. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, just the most random collection of cars. Like it was insane. It's insane. So, Mister Deezer, could you please adopt me? I want to be your your son. I um, want to find some way that I can end up in his Mario will. Deezer. I'll be happy. <laughs> some so, way you can what? Oh. I want to end up in his will. <laughs> look at that! Yeah, look. Like, wow, that, that's that, a trip of a car. I guess that one was like screen used or something. I'm like, where do you like? He's, he must Is go it... to these crazy car auctions. I mean, the Vanquish. One of the V12 vanquishes from Dinar Data's got auctioned off. That was kind of a story I saw around the Bond verse. I'm like, how much would have that cost? It was like something like 200 million or something. Had the gadgets on it. Oh my shotguns. 200 million, probably two million. So it was a. I don't freaking know, man. It was a lot. Um, the car that you just showed me was that a camera angle or was it that long? Uh, It's a long car. Yeah. Oh oh my lord! It's huge. 
Here's a shot of it in film. It looks like kind of like a albino bat car. Whoa. Yeah, look at that. Oh, wow. It's on like balls. Yeah. It's, they're basically just big hubcaps. <laughs> oh, okay. The thing that's amazing, obviously this Mr. Deezer, who I know is listening, and please, again, give me one. Um, He's got like, um, he's obviously a bit of an Anglophile because there's a very niche British TV show that I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite pieces of media. And one of the main characters in it drives a pink Rolls Royce, except in reality, they're puppets. So it's a model Rolls Royce. But he somehow has a life-size version of the car. Like, what? it's insane. And I, that was the first thing I saw walking, and I was like, holy fucking shit, is that a pink Rolls Royce from the 1960s TV show where they only made it out of plywood? Wow. And I looked at the version he had because they said this was the version that was on Blue Peter, which was a kid's TV show. And if any Brits are listening to this, they'll know what Blue Peter is. It's more important than the, than the queen slash king in our country. Blue Peter? Um, Blue Peter. Oh. That sounds like me after a long Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's one of the versions they used on that TV show in which it drove in. And of course, this thing is like, I don't know, four tons. So like it's like clearly like buckling the floor as it's driving in the video. And it's mid-60s. So everyone's like, oh, I say, it looks like Lady Penelope's car has turned up. Well, what a jolly good show out, eh, chaps? <laughs> hey, jolly good. <laughs> Uh, a British person doing another British accent is just so amazing. <laughs> so We're well done. Pretty accurate. <laughs> I mean, well, I, think... I guess it's just the same as this, you know. Exactly. Well, I think I did a um, I did a motor race over the summer, and I came over the radio at the end because I, I came sixth, which I was pretty pissed off about. And in my head, I was like, ah, oh, came sixth. That's an unremarkable result. I came back and my friends wanted to hear the radio because the radio hooked up during the race. And apparently, according to them, I sound like a World War II pilot because there's like a <clears throat> in the background. And I'm like, oh, I say, how jolly unremarkable that result. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, chaps, I'm going to blow my nose. But you won't blow me? How was your day, dude? Yeah, not too bad. We got student conferences this week, so it was half a day of working and half a day of talking to parents about their kids, which, to be fair, most teachers dread it. I quite like it because you get an opportunity to, like, you know, say nice things about their kids, and they say they say very happy things back. It's interesting because normally with schools I've worked at before, they're, the kids are, can be shits uh, because here they've normally been to a public school have been or a private school had didn't know they had dyslexia so thought they couldn't learn or something like that they've had they've gone from very low educational experience and come into one where they suddenly regain that confidence again so normally the kids are very well behaved which it means normally you can say to parents yes they're still behind unfortunately however they, we're seeing a marked improvement they're behaving well in class they're showing more confidence they're having more fun mm. and quite often for these parents just the fact that kids are acting like themselves again is more important than like you know over the top academic achievement so it's quite nice to share it on quite a few occasions. You get very, you get a lot of emotional parents. And I had one uh, today um, who was like, you know, full on tears saying, you've given me my child back. And I was like, yeah, that's great. But here's how they do in fractions. Um... <laughs> but now it's nice. And I do, I do lots of after school stuff with quite a few of the kids because lots of them are into Minecraft and I have a mild knowledge of it. So I do a Minecraft club two times a week until seven o'clock in the evenings nice lots of kids have fun with that i mean my university dissertation back in the day is about using minecraft educationally so i'm now actually finishing that off and i'm going to publish a um 
going to publish a report on it through my school, which would be quite good fun. Um, but yeah, so lots of it is just kids refunding their footing again, which is quite nice. And, you know, parents are the parents I've talked to are lovely. I've heard of lots of other schools in the USA, which aren't as pleasant as the one I go to. So I'm very lucky. Plus, there's there's only 42 kids between grade, uh, grade three and grade 11. So it's wow. It's a very small school. Wow. Between three and 11. So? Yep. Wow. Grade, we go from grade three all the way up until high school. I teach. I teach math for grade five and for middle school. And I also teach um, high school and middle school photography and media as an elective. Wow. So I get quite a good range of uh, quite a good range of ages. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, it's good fun. Can't complain. A small class size is definitely helpful. My graduating class in high school was 17 kids. I spent the last five years uh, prior to moving to the US teaching classes with an average class size of 32. And now my, my average class size is five. It's incredible. <laughs> For those of you, our brave podcast presenters are now moving a ridiculously large sofa. This will take brains and brawn. One side has been lifted so far. It seems successfully. I can hear. All good. Yeah, we're good. good. I can. Yeah, you're good. I can hear this music in the background. There we go. All right. You can hear what music in the background? I can hear Three Stooges music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, um, it's a futon and it's oh, an okay. old futon. So it's starting to uh, show some wear and tear. So, and sometimes the angle that it's at, like can af- affect the way that it, anyway. <laughs> it's a feng shui thing. It's a feng shui thing. Exactly. I'm getting good energy from it. Good. Good. I have great energy. So shall we do a traditional intro? Yeah, I think just like um, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, the uh, opening credits aren't coming until 28 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) I watched that. Nicole and I watched that the other night, and she loved it. Tremendous movie. Uh, Have you seen it? I can't say I have, no. Are you a Mission Impossible fan? Um, I don't mind it. The guy's got a great surname. I'll give him that. What, Cruz? Hunt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, what, impossible? <laughs> that was my father. <laughs> I'm possible. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, let's get into it now. Uh, Mario Lima. Dylan Titus. And... Oh, Chris Hunt. <laughs> I always, I always panic. You get say, to say your own name. If we had a fourth guest, then you would say each other's names. I always panic <laughs> because if you say my name quickly, Chris Hunt, it sounds like croissant, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I normally stick to Christopher, but in a panic, I default to Chris. <laughs> well, Chris Hunt, it's been six months. It has been, and you're back here on Connery Curious, our, our first, our first guest, and our first returning guest. Oh, I'll take both of those titles. I'll put right. that on my wall somewhere. Right. They fit next to your Roger Moore poster there. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to that. We're drinking some root beer tonight. It's good to have our first guest also be our first returning guest. It's good to have both of those things. It was nice to have somebody reach out to want to be a guest, and and then the, the fact that he wanted to come back. Of course. Yeah. Well, that, that's, and, down to, that's down to the wheel. The wheel picked Ransom, so... Well, you decided that you wanted to do Ransom. Yes, yes, I did so, revisit it. It, it. If you didn't do that, it just would have landed on Ransom. Yeah, if I stuck with Hell Drivers or something like that, I'd still be waiting. 
<laughs> well, who knows? Maybe, I mean, do you want Hell Drivers? I've got it here on DVD. Why did I say it like that? Hell Drivers? Hell Drivers. Hell drivers. <laughs> do you want Hell Drivers? Well, I'll take Hell Drivers. Why not? <laughs> Alrighty. Well, he's on the list for Hell Drivers. Chris is taking every single movie left on the wheel. <laughs> well, clearly he's good with conversation, so it's not a problem with yeah, me. So there we go. So we've got 28 minutes in before we so we had to switch to a second Zoom call. <laughs> That's how big uh, this interview is. Oh yeah, we need two Zooms. But anyways, yes, this is Connery Curious. Each week we get together here and discuss a Connery film in the large, large filmography of the late, great Sir Sean Connery. Today we are doing Ransom with our good pal Chris from Bond Addict. Uh, so excited to have you back Brit- here, man. British Bond British Addict. Bond Addict. <laughs> Not uh, just Bond Addict. Don't forget the British. He's addicted to British He's a Bonds. real Bond fan. <laughs> He's actually seen Big Ben in person. He met Big Ben. He met Big Ben. He shook his hand. My his grandfather is Big Ben. That's how British he is. I'm Little Ben. <laughs> That's his surname, Little Ben. We tried to forget the black the black sheep member of the family, which is Medium Ben. No one talks about Medium that. Ben. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. So it's just to be fun. Uh, yeah, we were, we were shocked that you picked a non-Bond uh, film. For and your, Sideways, what? Ben. <laughs> Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we were shocked that you picked a non-Bond fan for your next film. What was the reason for non-bond that? Non-Bond film. Non-Bond film. Uh, do you have a history with this uh, movie? Um, I think it's I'm I'm on a I've done podcasts where I've talked about you know Connery films quite a bit, and given the choice, he's got such like an impressive filmography. Um, and Ransom was one that I don't know that anybody I know has ever seen. I mean, obviously it's Ransom in the UK. It's known as the Terrorist in the US, and it was released slightly later. Um, but this was a film I just picked up. Um, there's there's a great great company uh, called Network back in the UK. And they specialized in just like, you know, 60s and 70s British TV, film, all that sort of stuff. And normally on, you know, I dare get a paycheck. I'd go onto that website, just pick a DVD I thought was interesting and buy it. And they had this big grand release of Ransom starring Sean Connery and Ian McShane. I was like, I've never heard of this. I'm a Bond fan. I like Sean Connery. I'll go and pick it up. And they did this big Blu-ray release. I picked it up, watched the film. And it was just just one of those things of circumstance. And I don't know anybody else who's ever seen this film. I don't think it's because it's a, I don't think it's a bad film. And I don't think it's because it's something it's like, you know, perceived as a bad film. I just think it's a very niche one. It's just one that was kind of low budget in a way, kind of its own little thing. And it's somewhat kind of fallen into obscurity. So I just love the opportunity to talk about it, seeing as how much I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It it did kind of have a almost made for television feel yeah. like it was very yeah, low budget i mean yeah obviously some plain stuff was seemed like a little high budget there but um yeah and it's it's interesting because connery does shine in it but not all the time is like a lot of other um when he comes out of the shower he's very shiny he's very shiny <laughs> uh but yeah just like some of the supporting cast you're like gotta give them their flowers and then you keep Keep getting you're reminded this is a Connery film because you kind of freak he's he's in the foreground but like only towards the end. I feel like like we see him in or away from him a lot in this movie yeah. too. He's he's as much a player in this movie as anybody else. He's not the star of this movie. Yeah, anything. not at all. It's just like he's might, might be top booking you know name wise because this is what year again? This is seventy uh, four in Britain, seventy five in the US. Seventy five. Yeah. So this is like pretty peak Connery. It's his legendary status, Connery. So <clears> of course they're gonna. You know, 
top book, of course, in this film. Uh, but yeah, it was tr- a tremendous surprise. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this. Sure. Same. This was a very a pleasant surprise. I I quite enjoyed this film, mm. and uh, I'm I'm thank you. We were gonna watch it anyway, obviously, but thank you for recommending it to us mm. because it got me excited to watch it. Oh, good. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those ones again. It's it's just kind of fallen to the wayside, and I think it's just because it was it's very much a film of its time, but it hasn't aged badly. And Not at all. Yeah, it's interesting. It's just one of those films that is just kind of there that I'm sure people looking through Sean Connery's filmography would have scanned past without even thinking about it. But I have a great time every time I watch this film. It's an enjoyable little piece. Mm. How should we get into it? Should we do trailer voice? Yes, yeah, give us a little trailer voice and then we can kind of go down our notes, see we, how we felt about this film and yeah. all that. Oh, I also wanted to to ask you, as uh, Chris, uh, Kind of a selfish question, but what's your history with Connery Curious? Uh, my history with Connery Curious is that <clears throat> back during one of the deepest, darkest periods of my life, I was searching for the light, and it came to me in the form of a wonderful podcast hosted by two very handsome men. <laughs> I thought you were setting it up for a real depression story. <laughs> like, damn. Like, because I know how like good a podcast can be during a real time of depression, so you were setting me up there. <laughs> no, it's, it's just one of those things, though. There's been lots of random people who I never would have ever encountered had it not been for Instagram. And Connie Curious, I remember, I think... Either I followed you guys first or you followed me first. It's one of the two. It's, it's, it's either one. Um, and I don't know what it was. I just loved the idea of instead of being, because all the, most of the stuff I follow is like Bond-related stuff specifically, just like sitting down and deciding to go through the entire, you know, Connery filmography. I was like, that's great. I need to, you know, keep up to date with this because there's so much stuff I need to see, like, you know, uh, The Offense, which you guys reviewed very recently for Halloween. And there's other films that I know that aren't on my radar. Like, I'm sure there's another, another ransom out there somewhere that I know I'd thoroughly enjoy that I haven't seen yet and i think i shot you guys a message and i was like hey um i'll give you a 20 if you let me on your show uh, <laughs> and we're still waiting for that 20 yeah, we still did not get that 20. <laughs> now it's 40 ah shit <laughs> after hell drivers is going to be 60 <laughs> at that point it'll be 75 with interest yeah oh, i see um but yeah no, we, i think we struck up a conversation and you guys like we were talking about you know doing the bond film of some kind and you said you might be thinking of some guest stars and i i figured i'd put my, put my name down for dr no and that just happened to be the first bond film that came up right <laughs> Yeah, that was poetic. We're kind of glad that was the first one to kind of go. And we had a few episodes already with people that wanted, like the pe- some episodes with guests already. And yours was the first one to come up as yeah. an episode with a guest. <laughs> so. well, it's the thing as well, because you've also covered films because um, my dad is a massive Connery fan and not a fan of Sean Connery, just a fan of the films he's in. Um, he's always said it's a weird thing. When Roger Moore died, he felt like there's kind of like a sad Roger Moore-shaped hole when Connery went, he was more sad about, like, you know, every time I watch the films, it's more sad. So he's got an interesting mm-hmm. relationship with it. But films like Murder on the Orient Express, which I think you covered right before I did. Yeah. 10 out of 10. That's in, that film has been on in the background more times than I can count. <laughs> oh, it's so cozy. Yeah. Such a cozy film. I think I might watch it at Christmas. That's. It seems like kind of a Christmassy film, doesn't it? I'd, I'd watch it every day over the Branner one. <laughs> I, I still have not watched the Branner one. No. Uh, don't, don't... You, you said you liked it yeah yeah i liked it but it was it was very kenneth branner ish and if you mm. if you're familiar with his work he's can be a yeah oh yeah agent. i just love the very muscular victor frankenstein yeah <laughs> he's yeah. great as othello i'd recommend that oh of course he's, he's a shakespeare guy 
Yeah, he wasn't a fella. He was Iago. Uh, him as a fella would be a terrible casting choice. Um, but yeah, so I'd recommend that as well. But yeah, there's it's just stuff like that. Murder New Orleans Express, odd things he's turned up in here and there. Like, granted, like obviously the Indiana Jones films were always around when I was a kid. All that sort of jazz. And it's interesting how many different things Connery has popped up in. So going into depth with that, because uh, I've I've talked about Gold uh, Goldfinger, I've talked about Thunderball, I've talked about Majesties. This will be the only time I can guarantee I'm on a podcast talking about Ransom. So that's that's kind of why I shifted in that angle. <laughs> Who knows? This might you might make a career out of being the guy that goes on to podcasts to talk about the film Ransom. <laughs> Ransom Asons. They probably think I'm about the Mel Gibson film, and they'll get really upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to cover it eventually. Mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be the one uh you just toss away just talk about it for a little bit yeah it's fine and then on back on back to talking about this film get the british crack addict to do it or something <laughs> uh, or the british gibson addict and it's it keeps like no I, i'm the british gibson addict i play guitars i was like can we just talk about music my mind went where did the music come back into it i don't know gibson <laughs> Oh. Uh, anyway, so give yes, that's uh, what was that? Is <laughs> give me back my son, which became a. <laughs> <laughs> is that was that Mel Gibson? Uh, that yeah, that and that was in. I think that was the ransom. That was that version of ransom. It it became yeah. like a, somebody took it and made that like line into a song. So it's like give me back my son, 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 son. Give me, give me, give me back my son. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw that way before I ever saw the film. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I, I, for a second, I thought you were doing a Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford voice, like "Give me back my family." Oh, you're thinking about to kill my back. wife. I, I, oh, I lo- oh, Ford curious would be so much fun. Ooh. Oh my god, get off! Finding me. Ford, finding Ford, Esther, or what's no? What's the uh? Wasn't there a Ford? regarding Harrison? Wasn't there just a Ford movie that came out? I'm thinking Ford versus Ferrari. Ford v Connery. Yeah. Oh, that would be a showdown. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my! Wait, let's do a a a bracket of Connery films versus Harrison Ford films. Oh, see who comes oh. up on top. Yeah. What if Indiana Jones comes up on top? That'd be match made in heaven. They'd oh. both make it pretty high. They both win. Air Force One would make it far. Air Force One is a brilliant film. I've never One. seen it. Oh, there's um. Before I moved to the states, after visiting a few times, there's a, there are a few classic American films I watched on Zoom with some American friends. And Air Force One was one of them because it's so unashamedly America. And at the end, he does the classic line, get off my plane. <laughs> and because it was a seven hour flight from the UK to America. With his hand over his heart. Pretty much, yeah. And I, I think in the background you hear like, <laughs> like <laughs> um, as, as the guy is pushed off the plane, the eagle flies by. Poops on him. <laughs> While he's falling, and that's the Sorry. thing. When I went to the states, we made a uh, me and my friends made a playlist called "Get Off My Plane List." Uh, <laughs> I listened to it. It was all songs like "Born in the USA," which is a oh, positive song plane. about America, uh, which is not a positive song yeah, about America. Like that, then followed by Team America. Oh, I, I love that movie. Oh yeah, as someone who's uh, to the puppet shows that it was inspired by, I'm all about that. Uh, well, let's talk about the terrorist. I yeah. mean, Ransom, also known as the terrorist, which I do have a note on that. Speaking of get off my plane. So we've got, <laughs> last week we had Wrong is Right, also known as The Man with the Deadly Lens, which oh, yeah. is a film about terrorists. 
<laughs> this week, we have a film called Ransom, also known as The Terrorists, which is a film about terrorists. The wheel like likes to have like certain things together. Yeah. Like, like has to have like, let's do terrorist month where it's all terrorist movies. I always love how the wheel is referred to as some sort of god. It, oh, it, it is. It's it our is. God. And as I said last week, it's, you know, on a dark note, it's right as like the news cycle is really ramping up about Gaza and, and Israel oh, and Palestine. Yeah. You know, like, why is it doing this? Right as like every every single thing you'll see online is about that and, you know, call your representatives for a ceasefire and everything about that. And then we get two films in a row about war in the Middle East yeah. and terrorists. Well, not really war in the Middle East in this film, but terrorists, you know? Yeah. Like, so, yeah so it's, Eastern it's, Scandinavia, shall we say? Yeah. The wheel hears all, so. <laughs> yeah, so what's what's it going to give us next week? Oh, should we make predictions now? Yeah. Make some predictions. What's your prediction? Um, I fe- I feel not, like... not what we want. Our legitimate one-off prediction as to what it will be. Because we'll do what we want later and what we don't want, you know? I have two in mind. Okay. It's either going to be Darby O'Gill and Little People yeah. or Diamonds Are Forever. Okay. What's your prediction for the next one? For I don't know. I, you guys haven't done Outlander yet, have you? Outland? No, yes, no, we, we have. we did Outland. Yeah, yeah we've done which, Outland. Which we're, we got an idea for Outland. Yeah, we love Outland. We might. That's what, that's what I'm going to see. Um, I think you're right. Something along the lines of Diamonds Are Forever, Thunderball, you know, it comes mm. into, you know, mass that's weapon. That's all we have left is Diamonds, Thunderball, and Never Say Never, never Again. Yeah. Three more, well, yeah, and then and once we, yeah, once we do Thunderball, we will do Never Say Never Again next. Mm. So we're ah, just gonna yeah. pair them. And the McCormick on a course. Yeah, and if we get Never Say Never Again, we're gonna watch Thunderball we'll and Never Say. Never I like again. that. That's yeah. a good idea. So, um, either way, we're getting the the two in chronological order. You haven't had the Avengers yet, have you? Yep, Did that was Avengers? number four. Oh, was it? Oh god, yeah. I've, I I watched those out of order and a long time ago. <laughs> So I, I, my order's all mixed up. <laughs> oh, that's all good. I think the first yeah. one I watched was um, God, what was the first one I watched? The first one I watched might have actually it wasn't the first Wait, one of I, our podcast. Yeah, the first one I remember oh. probably listening to was Murder, but I know I I dipped the, the the toe in before that, but I forget which one it was. The first one I listened to fully was Murder on the Orient Express, and I was cracking up at you guys doing the voices at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need to bring back skits. Yeah, we haven't done a skit in a long time. Do we want to? We'll, we'll devolve into a skit by the end of this episode, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, with, with all the things we talked about in the first 28 minutes, we can clip off enough things to make one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the first one became a thing, was Dylan just took some... Because you had lost a track or something like that, or my track was soloed. And so you lost a little bit of footage, but you used me talking to make a skit. You remember oh, that? yeah, yes. And I I just made it so you were talking with Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah. And then the Murder on the Orient Express one, you you were like, well, should we pretend that we're on a train? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're at the, we're at the station. How about that? Yeah. We just got off the train. We had the ambient sound of like being on a yes. train the entire time. I did all the, SOP, yeah. the, all the sound effects. <laughs> yeah, just had it running the entire time. It's the sort of thing in my head when I was listening to that. I, it came across, I, I was thinking like the Canadians from South Park where the heads are going up and down as they're talking. <laughs> all right, well, now I'm going to animate that. Yeah, we've been wanting to animate that for a while. Like the whole thing with. And uh, then, yeah, because then we get grand, onto the plane our, train. Our grand finale when we. It was a dragon heart. No, yeah. it was. We, so we get to the plane train. So we get on the plane, 
which is a uh, we get off the train, which then we get onto a plane. Yeah, the Dragonheart and then, crossover, and then we murder or something. Yes, our waiter gets murdered. The waiter gets murdered, and then we have to prove our innocence by going to the cave of the dragon. Yes, <laughs> makes perfect sense. <laughs> It worked. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, so we'll have to bring I, it back. I can animate this. Yeah. So uh, Patreon, uh, chip in, and yeah, right. uh, I can I can animate this. You'll For be able five hundred dollars. Anyway, I've got forty of that covered. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, it, <laughs> Chris it'll be out soon then. Chris <laughs> going to go fund me. Be next week. Uh, anyways, yeah. So I guess let's let's get into this ep- this this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to read like the. I'll first do the trailer voice. Trailer voice, and we will get into our noty notes because I, yeah, I am very excited to talk about this. <clears throat> In a Scandinavian country, National Security Chief Colonel Talvik is tasked to rescue the passengers of a hijacked British airliner, while the British ambassador is being held hostage at his residence by another terrorist team. Sounds like that movie. I like that. that. Is that that's actually a very good IMDb synopsis. Sometimes they they're really shitty. Don't like one sentence like, yeah, Connery. Connery and a relative go hiking in the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Um, I guess that's a good way to keep them guessing. I guess. I hope they're not doing anything else in those mountains. <laughs> Sorry, did you listen to the Five Days One Summer episode? I know there's a lot of Brokeback Mountain references. A bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's worse than Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain is completely societally acceptable. <laughs> like every everything in that is fine. Yeah. Like what like, happened in this movie the, is the not homosexuality legal. is fine. The cheating on your wife is fine in comparison to what happens in this movie. What it's not spoil. It's not spoiler for Chris. Should, should we just spoil that? No, no, no. I think... Go for it. I don't care. Oh, it's Connery and his niece are. That's it. A... Yes. It, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Okay. That's it. One word you've reminded me. Yep. It's yeah. It's, it's. Yep. That's what. Yeah. That's what you think it is. It's. It's exactly what you think it is. And yeah. it's not fun. It's not a bad movie, but it's just weird. Cause it's you, weird because you, you like we've established a bit of a a connection with Connery where it's like we feel like he's like a part of our family. Oh Jesus we, Christ, I wonder where you're going with that. And we and we, <laughs> and when you see him doing shit like that, you're like, come on, Uncle Connery. Tell you what, Con- Uncle Connery, Uncle Sean. Uncle Sean. Uncle Sean. Well that's the thing. Connery should be beating himself up in the in the uh previous offense thing then. It should be Connery on Connery based on the Connery from Offense and the Connery from that film. Oh yeah, they're both terrible. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Replace him, replace Ian Bannon with his character in Five Days, One Summer. I would love uh, that. Yeah, The Offense is a much better film than Five Days, One Summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but we're today we're talking about Ransom, also known as The Terrorist. Ah, okay, where do we, uh, let's go to the Wikipedia. Let's do our normal. cheeky, I titled my notes, Ransom. Nice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it, did it come with a ransom image made by one Chris Hunt? Oh. Did you in- include a ransom image in that ransom note? Oh, no, but we will, yeah. We, if we talk about that, we have, <laughs> this is the first time we have custom art on an episode. It's mm. a picture of me looking sad next to a newspaper holding today's date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and one of your thumbs is missing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, I I don't really know why I messaged saying, "Hey, I want to make a poster for this." I'm so glad I did it. It's turned out so well with you guys. It's been great, great fun making that picture. I mean, I'm. We- we are so honored that you wanted to do that. Well, that's the thing, because the, the Blu-ray I've got, it has that picture on the disc. And it always struck me when I first bought the DVD, like, ah, this looks damn cool. And then it going is such Ransom, a cool image. Yeah, going back to Ransom throwing it in, I was like, this could work really well with three people looking a bit goofy. And it did. You're <laughs> like, you guys delivered. When I was like, hey, can I have two poses of this? <laughs> it was hard to pick which ones to use. Because <laughs> I wanted to go full on, full on goofy, and we're just pulling these insane faces. Um, but the ones we picked, I, I love how it looks and the whole sort of thing, the fact it was like, you know, kid, uh, Skyjack kidnap, it then worked perfectly to insert podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I love it so much. Yes, thank you so much for doing that. Anytime. It's great fun to do. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, whacking up on the Instagram, collaborating with you guys on it. Absolutely. All right, so uh, I'll get into the Wikipedia here. What do we say? Let's do it. Let's do the. Yeah. Uh... All righty. <clears throat> so, uh, usual business ransom is uh, also known in other countries as the terrorist. 1974 British neo noir crime film starring Sir Sean Connery and Ian McShane and directed by Finnish director Caspar Reed. I'm guessing that's how you say that. R W W R E D E, um, Mario, you got the Rotten Tomatoes. You usually do that stuff. Oh yeah, I should get that up, huh? Yeah. Um, it had a budget of one and a half million. Actually, I'd imagine that at that time, considering Connery is getting paid one point two five for diamonds, I wonder how much of that went to him. Hmm. Probably a lot. Um, How how much? How much do you think? I'd, I don't know, I'd for, say a hundred thousand. I would say probably a bit more than that. To be fair, he's probably drawn by the fact that the film was all about the British government not being able to be trusted. So that was probably paid. <laughs> um, I'd say about a quarter of a million for that. I mean, Ian McShane became big, but at this point he was only big in you know British TV. Really, this was before he started Lovejoy, as far as I'm aware. So he was well known, but not big. Like he's mm. he was a good person to put alongside Connery in the like you know the titles and the credits and that sort of thing. But he was nowhere near the same level. What was the whistle? Oh, sorry. I opened up tomatoes and I was like, ooh, that's ooh, rough it's skis. It's unfair, isn't it? Yeah. It's what, a, what do we got? So a tomato meter with uh, the usual critics is a 50%, 50, and audience score is at a whopping 18%. Oof. I kind of stopped following Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes a couple of years ago because of stuff like this. Because mm. there'd be a few films I wouldn't... I, I'd see that and I'd say, oh, that's not a film I'm going to watch then. And then it ends up being a delightful little film. I don't know what it is. It's I don't know if it's the freedom of entry for reviews. And sometimes the audience scores used to be more trustworthy, but now it just seems like a whole crock of shit. So I ignore yeah, it. Especially with me, I, I cover a lot of Marvel stuff and Star Wars stuff when it comes out. So on our podcast with Friggin' Nerds, we go to these scores all the time. And yeah, they're usually insane. Nowadays, it's just like a review bomb thing where everyone just kind of like wants to make it negative no matter what. There, there were people who were review bo- uh, bombing No Time to Die. People yeah. just didn't it's, like it's it. It's also so. just a, a negative or a positive review, right? Like it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down and then the percentage is based off those. Yeah, yeah for a lot, a lot of them like the force 
like they'll make multiple accounts and like thumbs down in this film and it's like mm. then you go to see it like it wasn't that bad yeah and i do not think <clears throat> that 18 percent no this would be better than that a really good film i liked it a lot i also never really used rotten tomatoes the only reason we do it on this podcast is because you started it in the first episode yeah, it's like you a checked habit. it and and i'm like okay let's just stick with it yeah it's like, it's yeah. Quite, i'm just curious to what other people think you know? it's quite a fun thing to agree or disagree with too because either way you're like oh rotten tomatoes got this one right or rotten tomatoes can go to hell it's a good talking point either way so i think it should i think it should remain um but it's the sort of thing as well with rotten tomatoes it gives you such, like, obviously all film is subjective, and there's going to be certain people like us who enjoy this film, and then, you know, my dear dotty old mother, she'd hate this film. So she'd be one of the 17%, you know, <laughs> like stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's 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 difficult to make something so subjective, so numerically valued. Obviously, money is one, one thing you can do, but because mm. it's subjective, I kind of go into each film not thinking about it going into it, just like, hey, if I enjoy it, I enjoy it. I'm not going to listen to what, you know... Dave C from Manchester said from his mm. laptop with egg stains on his shirt complaining that everything's too woke now. Yeah. <laughs> well, just for comparison and uh, Connery curiosity, hey. I, I went to Letterboxd. Letterboxd? Yep, Letterboxd. And mm. it's got a three out of five, which feels m- better. Yeah, that's the slightly more appropriate. Yeah. Average yeah. out of five. Yeah. That's, that's that's only sixty that's only ten percent more than the fifty percent Rotten Tomatoes is giving. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna read the first paragraph here of the Wikipedia, and then I'm gonna use the ba- I'm gonna take a Connor P and you guys can continue. All I was right. gonna say I need a P as well, so that'd be perfect, Tony. Oh, do you wanna just we all take a Connor P right now when we P. come back? Okay, you two enjoy yourselves. All righty. <laughs> We're both gonna go into my one bathroom. There we go. <laughs> Alrighty. We'll be back. See you in a second. What are you munching on? Banana bread. Oh, that's the banana bread. I tried a um a baby Ruth for the first time today, and they're okay. Hmm. What did you have for the first time? A baby Ruth. Yeah, they're fine. They're not like yeah. a Nothing I'm trying to go through. I'm a big chocolate person, so I keep trying to go through all of the one. I'm going through each one one by one. The only one that's been like blow my socks off so far has been a uh, Mr. Good Bar. Those ones have been fantastic. Mm. I've never tried that one. I'd recommend it. I'm, good. I'm not the biggest fan of Hershey's, but it actually works pretty well. So, mm. I mean, Dove is great, but that's basically just Galaxy, which is what we call it in the UK. So I, I consider it a British chocolate, which, in my opinion, I'll go to the grave with this is far superior. Chocolate Wars. (laughs) A long time ago in an obesity far, far away. (laughs) Who'd be the Empire in the Chocolate Wars? Cadbury? Cadbury or maybe Hershey's. Maybe Hershey's. (laughs) Yeah. It would be Nestle. Oh, yes, of course it'd be Nestle. The, the oh, company Nestle. that uses slave labor and, like, oh, kicks indigenous people, tribes off their lands for makes fucking water for, rights. Makes people pay for water, just like Quantum of Solace. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Nestle. There they am. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Imagine if that what was Bond was facing was the Nestle Corporation. <laughs> I would fucking love that. You know what? It would make for one of the best Bond films we've ever seen. Oh, it would. Oh, in- instead of Strawberry Fields dipped in oil, she's dipped in chocolate. <laughs> 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 Dale Craig was up. <clears throat> I knew it. Chocolate. 
but because it's molten chocolate, it's just just. So she becomes like a hard like. I say she's solidified. They're just carrying her out over the shoulder while she's. <laughs> she's like Han Solo frozen carbonite with chocolate. <laughs> he, oh my he god! He breaks off a piece and the, the finger comes off with it. <laughs> if it's like... the chocolate, we've got Han Solo in a Kit Kat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dig this. Dig this. I uh a hole. Anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so I used to have uh a candy business. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Um, yes. And um just for shits and giggles, I, I had several different molds that were custom made. Uh during the election of twenty sixteen I had Donald Trump bars. Oh wow. Um that was they were dumb. Uh but um one of the molds that I had that I found that wasn't a custom one that I found it. It was Han Solo and Carbonite, and it was a big one, and then like five or six little ones. Excuse me, I still have it. Um, so I used that to make uh, chocolate Han Solos and Carbonites. Yeah, and 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 I made a batch of them. And one Comic Con, I gave I gave a package of them to the Nostalgia Critic. No way, really. Yeah. Yes. I was like, oh. <laughs> he never made another video the same way again. Uh, he, was, he was more mellow in his videos. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, they, oh, I'm not watching they, had, they were infused, and I told them as such. Mm. So these these have cannabis in them. Ah, I see. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, they were I'm... low dose, super low dose. I'm a starter critic. I remember it. So you don't have to. What? <laughs> huh? Who am I? Oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> Why am I wearing this tie? <laughs> oh, tired. <laughs> Man, we are very good at getting sidetracked. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's go on to the Wikipedia here. All right. The Wikipedia for Ransom. <clears throat> A small group of terrorists have seized the British ambassador to the fictitious country of... Wait, what? It just says it's a fictitious country in Scandinavia. Wait, uh, alright, hold on. I'm going to share my screen with you. Oh, okay. The fictitious Uh. country of Scandinavia? (laughs) What? Does, does Scandinavia I'm, not exist? I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty sure that's real. <laughs> it's not a country, it's a region, but <laughs> like Scandinavia is like it's a gr- it's a group of countries. A sub-region in northern Europe with strong historical most commonly refers to Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. Okay. Okay. Well, well it, here it's a fictional it, country. But, but is it fictitious? I, I'm not, I've not I've not been there, but I've been led to believe it's real. Okay. Well to the fictional it? country of Geonosis. Somebody somebody <laughs> check Google Maps quickly. Let's do it. Geonosis. Also, Geonosis could not be further from Scandinavia. At least go for like <laughs> off or something. Goodness, goodness gracious. Uh, Google Maps. I'm checking it. I'm sharing the screen here. Let's Is Sweden still there? Scandinavia. There, there we is. go. Sweden, Norway, Denmark. Yeah. Also, I'd argue Finland is definitely part of Scandinavia. 
seems to be. Anyway, well... Yeah, well, for the listeners at home, we have confirmed that Google Maps is continuing this fictitious country with uh, false information. (laughs) Fake news. I was just about to say that! Scandinavia, (laughs) not real. Unbelievable. They're gay. (laughs) The deception is huge. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, that was my best Trump. (laughs) I thought that was Michael Caine. <laughs> you were just supposed to blow up the bloody Scandinavia. <laughs> Scandinavia is not there, okay? <laughs> uh. I'm, 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 te- I'm telling you, best way. <laughs> I failed you. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely gonna do Kane Curious after this. Uh, okay, all right. Shotgun up Chris Fowler for that one. <laughs> okay, you got it. Brilliant. Worst book I've ever read, but great film. Really? Ooh. Why? What's the difference? Um, the film's good. Uh, the book is the book <laughs> written in such a way that it's just you have to read certain things four or five times to figure out what's going on. For example, like there's a moment where there's an explosion and Harry Palmer, although he's unnamed in the book, is taken back. And instead of saying there was an explosion, and Harry Palmer was thrown back. It says he was walking towards the car, but then he had a, a then he ha- then he then he found himself on his back, confused and dazed, whilst the car crashed. And it's like. What the fuck? Say there was an explosion. What the hell are you doing? You pretentious piece of shit. Well, I mean, I guess that's a good experience of how it would be like if you were actually in an explosion and close to one. Well, it's a good experience of wanting what it's like to be dyslexic. I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Anyway, Scandinavia's not real. Confirmed. <laughs> Neither is this movie. A small group of terrorists have seized the British ambassador... No. Of Scandinavia. And are holding him hostage in his residence. Scandinavia's head of security, Colonel Nils Talvik, played by Sean Connery, Good. wants to take an uncompromising position, but he is overruled by the governments of both Scandinavia and Britain, who insist that all of the terrorist demands be met. A passenger airplane arriving at the airport of Scandinavia's capital city is hijacked by another small group of terrorists led by Ray Petrie, played by Ian McShane. The aeroplane ends up parked on an isolated taxiway, excuse me, isolated taxiway, and Petrie demands that he be put in touch with with Martin Shepard, played by John Quentin, leader of the group holding the British ambassador hostage. Petrie, who is known by Shepard, convinces Shepard that his group and his hostages should leave on the hijacked airplane not on a military plane as originally planned. All right, we'll take it from there. Dun, dun, dun. Was anyone else very shocked to see a young Ian yes. uh, McShane? Yes, and he looks good, too. Yeah, he looks like a game show host. That's like, Yes, or a singer. Hello and welcome. Uh, that's the thing. For me, Hello and welcome. <laughs> For me, Ian McShane, most of the roles I know him from, like Babylon 5. Um, Wasn't oh he Game of Thrones? Uh, I think he was. I know he was in John Wick. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, I watched... One of the Pirates movies? Yeah. He was Blackbeard. Oh, he was a Blackbeard. I believe. Yeah. That thing, Ian McShane, from, because I love 60s and 70s British TV, he popped up quite a bit in that. So Ian McShane has always been that version of Ian McShane for me. It was shocking when I recognized the guy in John Wick, and I was like, who the hell is that? And it turned out to be Ian McShane. That's thing, for me, I'm used to, like, you know, Donny Osmond hair, Ian McShane. Well, clearly you guys aren't. 
Yeah, no, not I, at all. I'm used I've to John Wick and Pirates of the Caribbean because, uh, like, I, I, I've always known him t- around this age. Mm. So I've, I've rarely seen him very young. So looking at him at first, it's kind of like, is that? Like, I knew who it was right away, but I was like, is that? Just double check. Let me check the <clears throat> IMDb. And, like, sure enough, there it is. So, yeah, I've never seen a young Ian before. So it's very, uh, very exciting. Kind of seeing, uh, I seen Richard Harris for the first time young. Mm, you knew him yeah. as Dumbledore forever, but then you see him young with Connery and young Connery in there, and uh, so much fun to see some of these younger uh, these actors younger. Mm, yeah. Back in the day. And speaking of actors looking young, Sean Connery does not look very young in this movie. And I was just thinking, with a budget of one and a half million, it's only twelve years after Doctor No. This is only twelve years after Doctor No, and he looks. 25 years older, 35 years older. It's five years after Diamonds. I mean, yeah. Know, it's after Diamonds. Three. Three years. 71. Oh, yes, yes, it was. So I was thinking you only know twice. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's insane how, like, I don't know what it was. Obviously, between uh, Yolt and Diamonds, he kind of aged significantly. Mm. But clearly, that didn't mm. stop. <laughs> like, in the, I, I know, obviously, he's got the facial hair. He's got the hat. He's got that jazz going on. But this looks like, you know, one, I feel like when Connery did his best performances was when he was in his older look, for example. Like, I, I still think his performances of Bond are great, but the ones he's more critically renowned for, like uh, Untouchables, which he won the Academy Award for, stuff like that. It's when he's got the older Connery look, and he's fully embracing it in this. Like, he is old. He seems older Connery at this, which is weird to think at this time, 75, uh, would have been Man with a Golden Gun. Roger Moore would have been the same age as him. No, Roger Moore was older in that film than Connery was in this one. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous to think of the comparisons. Yeah, Moore was older than Connery, right? Yep. <clears throat> wow. That's in compare living compare living let die to diamonds are forever, and Connery looks like, <laughs> Connery looks like he's got a solid ten years on him. Oh, imagine then... imagine a world where all the Moore <laughs> films were Connery films. Like Excuse he me. continued on for some reason and like kept going. The character, imagine <laughs> that version. I mean, well, we, we always talk about uh, Her Majesty's <laughs> with Connery would be. We want AI to create that for us to see what that would look like. It like would improve it tremendously. What was that? It would improve it tremendously. Yeah, I think it'd be, and, and it would make it, it. And it's an almost perfect film as is, anyway. Uh, yeah. I I'd argue against that one, but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep, different podcast. We'll have you back to debate diamond uh, to debate Honor Majesty Secret Service because it's oh, that's my second point. favorite. You could, I'm about to say you can do like a what a six episode podcast series about the George Lazenby films. Oh, the, the Lazenby list. Yeah, so <laughs> a short we, grocery list. Of should Lazenby we stuff. just say the, what, what what we were talking about? What's we that? got more movies. Yeah, the Lazenby list. Yeah, uh, uh, the Brosnan backlog. Brosnan backlog and Dalton. Digging into Dalton. Digging into Dalton. And the then Craig... Craig, Craig Curious. I was gonna say, oh, I was going to say Craig Chronicles. Oh! <laughs> Chronicling Craig. He's in, hey. Is he in Chronicles of Narnia? Is he? Isn't he? I think he is. I don't think he's, is he? I know he's in the Tomb Raider movies. <laughs> well, one of them. Oh, yeah, he was in Tomb Raider as well. With no, the most he... horrific American accent you'll ever hear. Oh, yeah. It's so <laughs> weird to think of that. I hey, remember, I saw on TV recently, I'm like, I forgot Craig was in this. As someone who's a massive Tomb Raider fan, seeing those films was both hilarious and such a crushing disappointment. Oh. It was fan casting Daniel Craig as Asian in the Chronicles of Narnia? Just look up Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, as Aslan. No, he definitely wasn't Aslan. 
No, it's James McAvoy who's yeah in in that film. I still haven't seen this film. Eh. William Mosley. Oh, look at that. We got a mugshot right there of Sonia Hitchcock as hag number four. That makes sense. Sorry, Sonia Hitchcock. I must be crazy. <laughs> oh, he was the Oompa Loompa in the uh, Giant Depp uh, Wonka film. Oh my god, look at this man. They hired a real centaur. <laughs> that rat. Oh, I'm going to share my screen. Look. Look, they hired a real centaur. His name is Patrick Cake. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I have to address this real quick. <clears throat> I love um, Patty Cake. Great. Oh my god, his name's Patty Cake. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my god. Imagine that's that's, that's got to be a centaur man. Also, <laughs> oh, uh, that other lady, she deserves the role of Hag Number Three. Hag Four was unnecessary. Unnecessary. That's a dispute with the director. Uh, Okay, so I have something I have to bring up real quick. So in Wrong is Right, his name is his character's name is Patrick Hale. Yeah. Now I found an old review of Wrong is Right from when it came out. Contemporary, right? That would be what it's called. Yeah. Um. And it makes reference to the something along the lines of like, uh. And the name is just like an indication of the wackiness to come, indicating that his, Patrick Hale is a goofy name, indicating weirdness. And I'm like, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, is, is it hell, a pun? Hellraiser? I don't know. That's not, it's not a wacky name at all. Yeah. And, and then later on in the same article, it also says that the name is Goofy. And I'm like, why is that a goofy name? Patrick Hale? Ron Burgundy is funny, but Patrick Hale is not. Like... <clears throat> I need to find out where it is. In this book I've got here, which is all about Dr. No, contemporarily at the time, people thought Roger, uh, not Roger, well, people thought Sean Connery was Irish. And stuff like this, like Darby O'Gillan, the letter of people, doesn't help. Yeah. But at the time, there's a whole like Irish thing with Connery, which <clears throat> severely pissed him off. <laughs> mm, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I don't, I, so I just had to bring it up because I wanted a, an outside perspective as well, but um, Pat it doesn't. From a Brit perspective, I can't see a uh, Paddy Hale, Patrick Hale. No, I, I don't get that. Pat Hale. Yeah, um, yeah. It doesn't. It's uh, anyway. So I just had to. It was. There's one listener putting up. out their hair, screaming what the pun is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you know it, ConnoryCurious at gmail dot com or uh, on, on our social media at ConnoryCurious uh, pod uh, on Instagram or or. Just yeah, just you can find us. It's it's real yeah, easy. Right here. Um, uh, and then uh, another note that I had to bring up. Um, in the offense, the man that interrogates Connery is played by Trevor. Ho uh, is is the actor Trevor Howard? Trevor Howard. He also plays King Arthur in Sword of the Valiant. Oh my God! So. That movie will always come back to haunt. Yep. <laughs> always so yeah anyway we always find a way to like it's like it's like the kevin the seven degrees of kevin bacon oh yes yeah it's like we always find a way to connect that movie in seven degrees way. of the green knight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. okay so uh let's start with our notes what do you got for notes folks i uh, the first part of the film obviously there's a lot of exposition going on there's lots of introductory characters 
Uh, the one thing that gets me, the actual scene of the plane landing and the pilot deliberately locking up to make the wheels burst, that was a really well shot scene. Mm. And it's it's done in such a way for an action scene where you get quick bursts of footage, but you get all the information you need, which is great because these days there's often an over-reliance on doing shaky cam and stuff like that. Like seeing him flipping the switches, having enough time to read what that is, having a shot of the wheels struggling, then the wheels bursting. That scene, like, every time I watch it, that's that's an exciting scene. I'd say that's my highlight of probably the first quarter of the film. Granted, like we we meet the characters in that jazz. Like, oh no, the ambassador's been taken. We've got a news report. Oh, we're going to head to the airport. Oh, this is happening. Ian McShane, why he should be sitting down? Why is he going to the captain's quarters? Um, but then that bit where the plane's landing and you get the whole sequence. I mean, if you if they filmed it, if if you watch that scene being shot, it's just a plane landing slowly and some some wheels are on fire. But the way they shot it was exhilarating i love that scene so much and for what must be considered a budget movie granted that there's some very breathtaking shots later on in the film this is good quality for 1974 for an action scene for a budget film i mean it's done very well now i've got a note on not in my book here but i was reading the imdb trivia earlier which you know it may or may not be true oh my screen refreshed there um so uh talking about the shooting of the airplane scenes and budget. The airplane used in the filming was loaned out by Hans Otto Meyer, a Norwegian finance man and shipping magnate. Love that guy. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Uh, the aircraft displayed in hijacking is a Boeing 737-200. Uh, it was in, uh, in the livery of My Air, owned by Meyer. Uh, operating which operated from 1970 to 1974. Filming started in January of 74. During production, My Air or May Air defaulted on their payments to Boeing for the aircraft. Boeing <laughs> sent representatives to Fornbo, Norway, to repossess it on February 26th. Filming of the aircraft shots was never completed. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> So just yeah, to tie into what you were talking about there, I love <laughs> budget it. and the plane shots. Them reluctantly giving the plane back is actually the film. This is a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and you blew the wheels up? <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> you better fix that before we, we take this back. And you're paying for it. <laughs> that was that was uh, another, you know, 10,000 out of the budget. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> I think I can only assume the wheels must have been miniatures. Because I know at the time, miniature filming was kind of the, you know, the, the way to go for stuff like this. And mm. things like Thunderbirds, TV series like that, they'd perfected it. I can only assume that's miniatures. Because to do that on a real plane on a real aircraft, on a real aircraft would have been too impossible. Oh, yeah. And they'd done, they'd, they'd, uh, Derek Meddings, who went on to win Oscars, um, both working with the Bond films and the Batman series, he divulged the perfect way where when you're filming smaller things you film in slow motion and it gives it bigger weight uh so because an explosion takes longer even though it's smaller and a smaller explosion when you slow it down it gives the appearance of being bigger and i can only assume that these were models that had the same slow motion footage aligned to it um it's only by 0.8 i think slower so it's only a little bit slower but it does add more weight and you know mm. impetus to it so we say but I can only assume that's models because there's no way they'd film that properly using a plane. But the fact I'm discussing it means it does a good job of making me believe it's real. Right. It it was there's some very good footage of planes flying and just impressive shots of 
just a plane functioning, flying yeah. and and landing and taking off, and that little chase between the two, the you know, the tracking of the sm- two small planes. Yeah, that's there's, there's one shot in the film, and it's my favorite. I I love a smash zoom. I always I, that's one of my favorite camera techniques. Mm. I just love how dramatic. If it's done well. Yeah, when the when the larger plane takes off and it zooms as uh, smash zooms onto the smaller plane behind it. That is such a good shot. Like, honestly, mm. I remember seeing that and being like, like watching it for the first time, pausing, rewinding, taking a video of that and sending it to my dad going, oh my God, look at this like smash zoom. I was very, <laughs> I was very drunk, but I still thought it was. <laughs> I'm smash zoomed. <laughs> zoom smashed. Yeah, we're let's have a drink. We're getting zoom smashed. <laughs> we're getting zoom smashed right now. Yeah. Let's fire up these joints. Oh yeah, right. We should. Um, uh, one thing I'll say about like as, as, action-packed and impressive as those shots were with the plane man the actors surrounding that scene are just so calm the, in their the pilots. delivery the pilots and the guys in the <clears throat> tower are like paraphrasing but it's like uh it's like oh it's like seven one whatever your your tires are on fire there's smoke coming out of your time. Wilco, like, my favorite w- band w- is Wilco. Wilco, Wilco. <laughs> Just like very calm and even like, and the pilots, the whole film, they're very straight faced. He has a gun in his head and he's still like, like, again, just that shot of him, like being able to switch that break and all that. He's just very calm about it. Gave me like Sully vibes. And he even kind of says that line. He's like, when he blows the tires, he goes, it's hard to think with a gun at the back of my head. Yeah, but he did a brilliant job of still, you know. That's... Smart thinking, mm. a lot, a lot of smart thinking in this to like really deceive the, uh, the terrorists themselves. But then like they still find a way to flip it around. You're you're just like, come on, man! Like we're so close to getting this done. Like you're really pulling for that team to get in there and get them off that plane. Mm. Insane. Mm. That's the thing I found interesting with the pilots, especially for someone who clearly was a sharp thinker. I'm kind of a bit. I, I feel like it's a missed opportunity to get to see more of his character certain in a way. Because like when they storm the plane and he's like, oh, I'm a fr- uh, like they've got a gun held up to my stewardess, that sort of thing. If if he said if the next line he said was, I think they should blow her head off and we'll save everybody. I wouldn't be surprised. Like there's no sort of like if that was like with, a dramatic moment or something. With Connery's but, character saying that? Uh, no, with the um, pilot. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, that, that's because the way he's delivered everything so far. That wouldn't have surprised me. I don't think it's what should have happened. It just would have been nice if there's a bit more of an emotional reaction as opposed to just being like, oh, yeah, there's a gun against the head. Sucks. <laughs> well, I, I I, think, you know, part of the pilot staying calm is that he's, he's clearly in his, like, 60s. Yeah. He's up there in, in terms of, like, age for 1974. You know, he's practically mm. a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> What he was born before cars existed, and I'm look at me, I'm flying a flying machine. Yeah. <laughs> As the Wright uh, brothers intended. <laughs> I knew the Wright brothers. <laughs> I fucked their sister. A bunch of dicks. <laughs> That's why I fucked their sister. <laughs> now he got the skit sorted. <laughs> She's the right sister, I tell you. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, he, that that was one of my reads of it. Like, wow, he's he's clearly he's seen enough. Sh- he's probably feared for his life just dropping out of the sky on any given day. He's yeah. probably handling this okay. Yeah, like, he's he's probably terrified, but he's handling it well. 
Yeah, it's 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 nice to see like the when it's the uh, if it's the pilot stuff and he was as calm as he was, that makes sense. When it comes to like more a gun being held against somebody's head, that's when I would have expected the more the emotional response thing. But he just seems calm the entire way through. Which, granted, that's not a note against him, and it's also kind of the same way Connery acts in this film. Like he's a very calm, collected character throughout most of this. Very passive. Yeah, like active but passive. He's like actively forming a plan, but passively just. Well, whatever. Ignoring the radio. Like Yeah. My note, it's... my first note, is that this is our second film starting with an explosion before the titles. Can mm. anyone remember what our first was? Goldfinger? Well, yeah, okay. Well, then this is our third. <laughs> <laughs> look, at, let you down. look at you. <laughs> That's yeah. That's 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 clever. That yep. Okay. Well, then this is our third. I was thinking Molly Maguire's. Oh, because true. they both start with like a a few or like one to a couple of long shots in silence. Focus on a door. Explosion. So. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, or focus on a, a thing. You know what I mean, and then explosion. <clears throat> Um, this is also, uh, I can't even remember how many, but this is a, another score from Jerry Goldsmith. Yep. Oh, I I love the music. Did you guys get a bit of a Bond vibe? Like I, a, li- a little bit of Thunderball I kept hearing in the notes, kind of like da-da-da-da-da, somewhat like that. I found it was kind of bondish when it wasn't the action scenes. The action scenes had this very own sharp, like kind of shrill theme. Mm. But it was the more like pensive moments. That's when I got the Bond stuff coming in. Yeah. Well, it led me to write, because I was really enjoying the score as well, which we'll discuss. But um, was anybody else gushing for Goldsmith? Or are you guys more horny for Horner? I'd be more gushing for Goldsmith. Or, you know, are are you more like unzipping for zimmer you know (laughs) unzipping for zimmer or uh pulling your willy out for williams you know Mm. i'm possibly blowing for barry (laughs) barry well done very nice very nice (laughs) are you doing anal for arnold oh jesus christ (laughs) all righty what the hell is it gonna be for zimmerman is it bob zimmerman like like bob dylan or no, Hans Zimmer. Hans. Oh, that's why I said unzipping for Zimmer. Oh, I sorry, I missed that. Uh, <laughs> are you unzipping for Zimmer and pulling busy. out your willy for Williams? I was too busy using all of my brain for blowing for Barry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would be using all of your brain for that. <laughs> um, okay, uh, my next note is we first get Sean Connery at 714. That's when we first see him. Mm-hmm. I didn't recount his first line. Me, uh, yeah, I had seven fourteen as well. Yeah, I forgot what it was too. Cause oh it's... wait, no, his first line is "Wait, what about the servants?" Yep, that that's his first line. Oh, yeah. how about that dramatic zoom on his face? You remember that dramatic zoom in that scene? Oh yes, yeah. It just like really cuts through the crowd. There's a couple yeah. of dramatic zooms that happen in this. Same when he gets out of the shower too. Same kind of mm. no music to it, but just like establishes you to like hang on that last line he says in that scene yeah and and like i'm like just as a student of film it's kind of like impressive smooth 
zoom. Yeah. Mm. Like, it looks it's, good. It's setting off your snap zoom fetish. <laughs> snap. Well, that's the thing. Did you guys also notice at the beginning, you know, when he goes into the house and he gets held up by gunpoint, <clears throat> did you notice what gun he was getting held up by? Was it a PPK? Yes. Oh my yeah. god. I, I noticed that as well, yeah. <laughs> I don't recognize guns very well, so like I only recognize one. <laughs> yeah, the PPK. Yeah, that yeah. and the one Brazen gets in Tomorrow Never Dies, which is the the the, the wolf something. I uh, noticed it if it was like, oh, isn't that gun like Django Fett's gun? Yeah. <laughs> that would be impressive if they suddenly whipped out Han Solo's blaster for that. <laughs> <laughs> which is I believe is a repurposed like Nazi. It's like a German Luger. Yeah, it's yeah. an old pistol, and they put some little goofy stuff on it, a little telescope and stuff. And mm. Killer. Um, uh, my my next note on that note. Yes, I've got is... my discount PPK here, so I, I can. <laughs> oh, look how cool! I can... oh, I he, he stole that from Deezer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. And the bright orange tip really sells it. It's yes. Yeah. Is, is so you can bring actual, it like, safely but into your school. Is that actually like licensed 007 like pistol? Uh no, but it's licensed Walther. It's actually got Walther written on the uh, side here. Oh, so Walther oh, wow. actually makes yeah, like, it's an airsoft gun, so it's got the whole sort of like, you know, clicking mechanisms, proper reloading stuff. Oh wow. Oh man, so I kind of little beads in now. it. Uh, sorry? You can put the little BBs in it? Yes, I do, and I regularly shoot stuff around my house uh, because I live by myself, and no one can control what I'm doing. I'm an adult, goddammit. <laughs> I'll do what I want. I kind of want one of those, though. They're not bad. I, this one was like, what, 30 bucks? I mean, it's pretty decent. And yeah, oh, I do go around like... <laughs> so. I do that. I have a replica. It's, not, it's like a 3D printed. A friend of mine made it for me, got it for me on Etsy of the Golden Gun. Yeah, it has it has the little fancy stand like in the movie. So can you take wants... it apart? It's just like you can take take the front out of it. Oh. So they, they sell a model on 007.com that you can actually take apart and stuff. But every once in a while, I kind of walk around like it's my fun house, you know, just like I see my wife on the bed and I just kind of put put the gun in her face and rub it against her chin. She's like, "Please leave me alone." Jesus Christ! Of all the scenes to recreate from that film, you chose. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, I mean, it's better than. <laughs> What, you hire shooting that, someone in front of a you movie hire theater. that poor little person and you make them reenact all those scenes. <laughs> you don't even pay them very well. It's kind of demeaning. He talks to me about it. <laughs> so you come in and you put the plate down and I'll say, what's he have for us today? Ah, mushrooms. And he's like, <laughs> spilling mushrooms, crying. And his, na he, his name is Stan. He comes <laughs> over, he talks to me. He's, he's like, Mario makes me do the French accent. It sucks. He's calling me Nick Knack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's him now. He picks up his phone. Hey, what do you want? <laughs> Every time you see him, you just yell for Tabasco. <laughs> well, let's, let's make the perfect transition from this conversation into my next note. Uh, when they walk into the room with the hostages, Chancellor Count Dooku. Yeah, <laughs> that was as as soon as one of them says Chancellor, count or what? Did somebody say Chancellor? Is that what it was, or was I thinking that it was because they were tied to the chair? I forget what it was, uh, but that was my next note. Chancellor Count Dooku. I I found it really weird when you know uh, Sean Connery walks in and said hello there. That was that. Hello <laughs> there, your father's lightsaber, General Tavlik. <laughs> A weapon of the Jedi. We fight. fought together in the Clone Wars. I cut his legs off. And one of his arms. The one that wasn't already cut off. I made sure he had no original limbs left. 
Go uncivilized. Then, just for good measure, I watched him get set on fire by a lava river, and then, just for extra good measure, I went down and cut his head off with my lightsaber. <laughs> no coming back from that one, and then I kicked the whole thing into the lava river. It was really tough, because I love the guy, but after you murder a bunch of kids, it's really hard to love the guy. You that would have been that would have been missed too far. <laughs> Dude, that joke was fire. And that's what triggers the theme song. <laughs> uh. I've never watched Star Wars. What is it? <laughs> it's basically Outland. Uh, yeah, it is. It's basically just a remake of Outland. Fucking George oh. Lucas, not an original idea of his own. Star Wars is what Outland could have been. Exactly. My only other Bond reference... Wait, switch those. What's that? Outland is what Star Wars could have been. Yeah, so that's what I meant. Yeah. If Star that's Wars it. had only aspired to greater heights, it could have been Outland. Oh, you guys missed out. And waited seven more years. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only other Bond-related uh, thing... Like, you know when you see the, um, the printing of, like, Hera's face? And it kind of looks like a puzzle? Yeah. Hmm. Well, it kind of is because remember it's kind of cut out. Yeah, the, the opening title is the yeah. The, the when the director's title is gone, that's when the bottom of that face uh, comes in. It just reminded me; it's <clears throat> kind of unrelated, but like the scene from is that this for your eyes only? When oh yeah, the, the, the computer that the the Q him and Q are putting together the face. They get most oh, of it yes, done, yeah. and then it cuts to nighttime, and, and they've been there still for like, working on like it. nineteen hours. They I like when he's fixing the nose, like, it's a nose, Q, not a banana. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's, and then by the time they're done, they've got a whole body, and they're, like, putting in all the other details. It's a penis, Q, not a banana. <laughs> and Q's, it's an arm, Q, not a banana. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm just very hungry. He keeps making every limb a banana. Everything looks like a banana. You, you, to, you go to Q's lab, all the other files of the criminals they've apprehended are just, the face is fine, but the nose and all the limbs are bananas. <laughs> Ah, the elusive banana man yet again. <laughs> and there's 900 of them. There's a British uh, TV show about a superhero called Banana Man. Really? Is there really? There's a there's a there's a kid <clears throat> called Eric who lived on 123 Acacia Avenue and every time he ate a banana he got the strength of 10 moderately sized men. <laughs> But no, look it up after this. Banana Man is a legit <laughs> series. And you can find it on YouTube, listeners. Oh my god. Oh man. Oh. Chris must have crapped his pants when he saw the Incredible Hulk TV show. He's like, wait a second. <laughs> oh my god. He's I like 15 moderately sized men. <laughs> I got it. I got a Connor P. You guys continue. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. I'm not lie. Of my bingo card of things happening this evening, fucking Banana Man wasn't up there. <laughs> Banana <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh let's see. Let's talk a bit about some of Connery's looks in this. I think he has some really smart uh wardrobe here. I uh, I really enjoy that sweater and the kind of like mm. middle act there. Very cozy. Very There's sweet. a very British 
thing in this where if they're from Scandinavia or in a cold country, they wear the hat that he wears. That was like the biggest stereotype we had of like Northern Europe at that time. And it follows oh, yeah. it. Like he looks great in that hat. I mean, I'd never wear one. I don't think anybody else ever would. Um, but it pulls it across well, considering he's meant to be Scandinavian, his accent clearly isn't. It does like lots of the legwork for him. That's one of the things we've kind of seen with his performances. Like we've seen him play um British, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, be- I believe he also played uh, a Middle Eastern man in, I forget, what, is that the next man? Or I forget which one it is. But he's supposed to be like Middle Eastern. He has like the whole headdress on and everything. But yeah. it's still his regular voice. Like he does not care yeah. what he's playing. He could be like, we need you to play like, <laughs> even when he was Japanese and he only lived uh, twice, he still like did not even try to have an accent. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, Shkunichiwa. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like in um, Untouchables, and he's like, "Ah, this is the Irish policeman," and he's still the same Scottish accent. Why the hell did they just make the character Scottish? I know, I know, it's not true to life, but Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's like no matter what he's given, he's always going to have that accent. Like he refuses to do. There was a couple of movies we saw. He was like kind of doing a, a slightly different accent, but even in uh, what's the one? Uh... Uh, what's the one he's the rug cleaner in the beginning and he's like it's kind of funny samson shillito in a fine madness fine madness where he's like he, he's kind of doing a brooklyn thing not even <laughs> but, for a second not like, even for a second but like not even it, it's like they, sean connery's like okay let me get myself a pizza pie you know it's like it, it works so because it, in the new york environment especially in the year that it was filmed in 65 like he feels like an immigrant yeah, like he like he emigrated maybe ten years before, you know. Mm. Walking here, which also he's because he's like down on his luck and he's he has real trouble fitting in in society, which could be a symptom of being an immigrant. Yeah, so I can see that. Yeah, but yeah, no, not a very good Scandinavian accent in this one. I don't uh, I don't buy him from being Denmark the fake country, Sweden the also <laughs> fake country. <laughs> Let's see. Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What else do you have for we're we're just kind of discussing uh his looks in this, his like kind of yeah. outfits. It's a, well, he has a good winter look, and I was saying, I was saying that um the the hat he wears that's like the British stereotype of Northern Europe at that time. Like if like oh they're from Northern Europe, they wear this hat. There you go, done. Character building's been set. <laughs> <laughs> done. Um. Well, speaking of people's looks, my next note is Jim Henson terrorist. <laughs> One of the terrorists on the plane looks like Jim Henson. <laughs> oh yeah, he does come. <laughs> He's got like that moderately long shaggy hair and the beard and the kind of long face, you know. So also, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Real quick, right as I was walking back into this room, uh, I made a mention to the Mission Impossible series earlier. And you said you had not seen it, but you're a fan of the guy's name. And I said, Cruz? And you said, no, Hunt. And I just got it. Oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> which ma- which means Which means that it would have made the comedy so perfect if right after you said that i said why hunt <laughs> for the answer look for it as i say as a guy's ne- as a guy whose name's initials are c hunt i'm just looking for any positive thing about that. <laughs> chunt 
<laughs> there was a time at school this is back in secondary school it should be middle school for you guys we were like doing an ict lesson and i said we what's they ict gave, uh oh in informational communicative technologies what's Com- that computers okay um and we had to log in with our new email what's software. that <laughs> <laughs> the big screens that make information um <laughs> and i had to type I had to type in my email, and my email was chunt. So I typed in chunt, and my teacher was like, why are you writing that sort of thing? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, it's my name. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh... It's not as bad as my friend Frederick Ucker. Uh, all righty oh wait there's a film we're talking about <laughs> oh yeah what is that film uh, <clears throat> uh they've got a flight pa- a flight plan to cuba nice. so uh if we hadn't already gotten it it would be fitting if our wheel landed on cuba next because yeah, okay. they're making a flight plan to cuba that's where that plane is going um or, there's no or... political disturbance in cuba at the moment so i think you guys are okay Ooh, maybe we should go and write it off. <laughs> right off the whole trip. Well, there's a movie called Cuba, which it's legit, I swear. <laughs> we gotta go to Africa for good men. Yeah, exactly. And we're good men, so we're good men. Yeah. It's when did you guys I know you guys did The Man Who Would Be King. Was that when That was our first episode. Was that when Liz died? Oh my god, when did she die? Uh September ninth 9th... no, September. Uh, September eighth, two thousand twenty-two. Uh, no, we would have recorded that episode probably in October or November. Ah, close enough. I feel like we talked about that. Reference like they had the next Bond film. The hidden hidden medicine. Hmm. The first time Bond is not serving. Well, the, the book that came out on His Majesty's Secret Service is the only piece of Bond media that's been made not during Queen Elizabeth's reign. Every- on His Majesty's? Right. Yeah, uh, Charlie yeah. Higson wrote a book um, in kind of celebration of the, um, uh, God, what the hell do you call it? Coronation. There you go. Did you read oh, it? Wow. I have read it. I've got a signed copy by the author. Oh, wow. Wow. Is it good? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. There's one chapter which is completely unnecessary, but the rest of it's just a fun jaunt. Uh, the guy who wrote it wrote the Young Bond series, which I thoroughly enjoy anyway, like Alex Ryder, but with Bond. It's a fun little book. I'd recommend it. Hmm. Okay. Cool, cool. Um, <clears throat> I have a note here that they keep cutting to hostages not moving. <laughs> I don't remember what that note means. I think they may have just... Well, if you're referring to, like, all those passengers, man, like, again, for if you thought the pilot was straight-faced, some of these hostages are just, like... They're still reading magazines. <laughs> They've stolen a plane full of mannequins. It's like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pay this. I, I guess I'm gonna go pass the time by. So let's just read this article. Yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, if it's like hour four in this hostage situation, the fear's gonna wear off. Yeah, the fact that like nobody groaned when uh, Petrie is like basically like telling them like, he's not saying there's a bomb or anything. He's just saying, oh, there's a delay there's, and there's no delay, one groans. Blah, blah. And like. So we're gonna have to keep you here for a couple hours, and everyone's like, oh, okay. "Okay, okay." I didn't finish this book anyway. Like, I can't stand being like in a plane when we've landed 
for more than 10 minutes. Oh, I know. The first thing I do is fucking I stand throw up, the seatbelt like, off and jump up. Get me up. out of here. I'm going to kill everyone to get <laughs> off this plane. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, maybe that was the old guy who tackles him. Maybe that was his, like, prerogative. <laughs> he was the one guy like, I gotta get out of here. I've got a connecting flight. <laughs> I can't shit on a plane. <laughs> so that, I don't care about terrorists. It's That's what he said when he threw him back in there. I stay in there and shit like a normal person. <laughs> Listen, talking, talking about the audience, the, the audience, sorry, talking about the passengers, um, you guys have seen the film airplane all right yes of course you know where she starts like playing with the guitar and everyone kind of looks in really happy <laughs> when the pilot like peeks around the corner i got so many vibes of that <laughs> the way he peeks around like half expected to cut back to like ian mcshane with a guitar singing to a dying child okay you know what you know what i'm gonna cut scenes of airplane into this movie oh yeah if we could. and also thanks the wheel our last film had leslie nielsen yeah. In 1982, which is now when he's a comedic actor, post-Airplane in 1980. Wow. The Wheel of Curiosity connected. It knows all. It's, it's omniscient. All right. Uh, omniscient? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really like that um, smash cut between, like, no, there's no more heroes, and then it cuts right to a uh, national hero, Nils Talvik. <laughs> Um, that was nice. Um, the music to the plane chase mm. Ooh, yeah. is really nice. Yes. Yeah. Jerry Goldsmith is really shining at that part. Um, and I really like how it hard cuts to silence. <laughs> just just randomly hard cuts to silence once it, it cuts back to the airport. Um, it's kind of weird. I feel like Goldsmith's um, music kind of reflected the weather in this film like because it's kind of like it's Ooh. quite a bit of it's harsh and sharp and obviously when you see the clips of the plane in the airport it's oslo i think they filmed that like surrounded by all the snow and stuff i don't know why the two works in tandem for me very well and i'm not sure mm -hmm. if it was intentional but i feel like it's a sign tonight i i kind of agree with that though i i was getting a feeling that the music reflected the technology like mm. when it was big tanks and trucks the music was like sharp metallic stabs yeah you know what I mean? Because the mm. military was coming in to fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> That's a point. There's some great little plot lines in this. Like the whole like Hidden Observer plot line, I thought that was fantastic. I really liked that. That was so tense. Sending that one man out to sneak in had me on edge. Yeah. Oh. Like when the guy comes up and catches him. No, it was like, come on, we were so close to getting out close. of there. I was like, come on, and then you know, same thing again, where it's like after the brilliant, like kind of skipping ahead, but after that brilliant, like you know, tunnel switcheroo, yeah, you know, Italian job esque thing where they block off and a copy. Of oh, that the was other. so fun. And then, and then we cut to like he, he's pointing a gun at the stewardess, and then Connery's like, "My men will back down." Kidding me, man? Like, what else can they do? Are they just going to let this plane explode? Like, what's going to happen? And we get that crazy realization with the tape recorder where Connery's figured it all out. He's like, he's like Batman. He's like, <laughs> just found, figured everything out by just one word like, triggered. He's like, wait a second. And then, like, goes back and then, boom, there we are at the finale. Well, and, uh, that's the last paragraph of the Wikipedia. So, should we just get into that? Just get yeah, this, this yeah, free let's, range. Let's just read that so we can just talk about everything. <clears throat> Talvik and his group of military commandos make several attempts to thwart the terrorist plans, but nothing seems to work out for them. 
At the last minute, Talvik figures out that the terrorists on the airplane are actually British secret operatives intent on capturing Martin Shepard, and that the British officials have been misleading the Scandinavian authorities and undermining Talvik's efforts to capture the two terrorist groups. He boards the airplane just he he boards the airplane alone just before it is to take off, precipitating a shootout between the two groups that leaves both Shepard and Petrie dead. Wow. Also, I just realized this is also our second film in a row where the poster has Connery pointing a weapon out of a circle towards the, <laughs> the viewer. Yeah, right. They were very cheeky. The last one with Bond-esque. The wrong uh, is right poster. Yeah. Also, they point the camera. Oh, so good. Talking about Bond references, I also appreciate that all the terrorists have Omega Seamaster. I uh, know Seamaster watches. I had that in there too. I was like, when he's like showing it off, like I know the exact watch, man. It's like I'm, a, I'm an Omega uh, purist. What's up? Oh yes, I love the idea. He just wanted to brag about his watch. He's like, hey, check this out. <laughs> also, there's a bomb, but it's an Omega. Check it. Do you think there were actually bombs in there? Now that we know the twist, no, no, I, I don't think so either. Yeah, I also appreciate that when he's. Uh, Connery has to watch his hand and he goes to like, this is the last shot of the film. Pulls the pin out. And I, part of me want to be like, you know, at the seventh minute, like a 007 gold, uh, Goldfinger moment of like, you know, when just it just like the, the last bomb. film, just in time. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They, two bo- bombs disarmed. Look at that. Well, <laughs> and in both the films, there's not actually bombs. But I don't know, because <laughs> there was a little bit of a gunk on the thing when you pull it out. Oh, that's watch juice. That's watch how they it. run. Watch Don't juice? you know? It was a liquid crystal display. Oh. Uh, hey. Uh, nice. You know, I, I, from watching that film, the first time I watched it, I remember being like, oh, the twist is there were no bombs. That, that was, that's something that stuck with me the first time I watched that. Because I was wondering. The twist what... was going to be that there was, when they, because they said at one point, they're like, um, <clears throat> he was trying to figure it out. I thought they were like, try, they were leading to. There were no, there was no ammo in the guns because everyone's saying like, you know, oh, if you bring somebody else back here, they're gonna get shot. So I'm thinking they might not have any ammo in their guns. But then we find out later, oh, oh yeah, they, they very, do. they very much did have loaded guns. That's why I thought they were going at like if they're fibbing, they have like, they, they have like no intention of killing anybody. They just want to get them on the plane and get out of there. It was so. Did, as Connery was figuring out the twist, so let's let's for the audience, the twist is that. The hijackers of the plane are actually British Secret Service, mm-hmm. and they're hijacking the plane as a front to get those other terrorists that are holding the Chancellor hostage to, to get onto that plane, and then they're going to arrest the terrorists there. Now, so that's the ultimate twist. Connery figures it out. Did did it take you guys a little bit to figure out what he had figured out? Yeah, it took it, 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 it took a bit. It took a bit because you get like the shots where like clearly some mental work has happened there, and then the audience is meant to figure it out. Mm. And it takes a bit because the ending is the ending's probably the weakest part of the film. It's quite anticlimactic, so you don't have much time to ponder on it before it kind of happens. So uh, I found that a bit. I don't. I, I don't think they should have inserted anything to make it more apparent. Like I, you're able to get there yourself eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue is the film finishes before you figure that out, and it makes the ending anticlimactic when you don't, when you're not fully aware of it because you're still trying to figure it out yourself. You just phrased it so perfectly because I was trying to think of why it didn't 
like I had to read the Wikipedia shortly afterwards to go, oh, that is what was yeah. happening. They, it was a plan, but like, did you didn't n- my I'm, it wasn't necessary. No, you could have just lied. The only communication was on the fucking phone. Yeah. <laughs> you could have just lied. Just say, get to the airport when they get to the airport. Arrested. Boom. Done. Plane's <laughs> here. We're ready to go. That plan that you were talking about, it's good to go. Just get to yeah. the airport. You've got. You've already got an inside man. If Petrie is a cop that is your inside man, you don't need to hold up a fucking plane. What happened if one of those people on the plane was like a fucking uh uh black ops marine and just you know <laughs> neck pinches all of them and just puts them all down in fifteen seconds? He's also Vulcan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know the you get you the the watches are a false threat and realistically they're not going to open fire with their guns in a plane in a plane full of people. So if anyone no, actually, what was that? I say not. If they want to want it to be a escape vehicle. They can't fire at any point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, Barnes even says you can't kill anybody, which is the clue that tips off Connery. Yeah. So n- none of this was necessary. Yeah. And, like the only man that plays hero is this old man that they can easily shove into the bathroom and lock in there. Like, what if it was a giant? You know, six foot five brick shit house of a man that's just like not on my plane. What if it was Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he said he'd stop nine eleven. If it was Mark Wahlberg, he'd be too busy beating up some poor Asian guy. Oh, <laughs> how'd this homeless guy get on this plane? He's not allowed the same rights as me. <laughs> it's it's a thing that I noticed British media did a lot in the seventies and um, mid seventies and late sixties. Uh, um, this is very similar to lots of British TV and film that I absolutely love. And for some reason, they always were hell-bent on having something that made it... They they always tried to make something that sticks with you after the film was finished, which meant that often you get these insane plot twists that didn't really add anything to the story, but they figured it would make the audience think. And this strikes me as one of those. like the Just making a enjoyable hour and a half of TV or hour and a half of film in this case... Um, that wouldn't be enough. They wanted something to separate it from everything else because, let's face it, have you guys ever seen the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3? I've, yes. I've seen neither version of them. Oh. I've seen the Travolta one. If if I could say one thing after watching this, watch the original because it's basically the same film as this and it came out in the same year. And honestly, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 is a film I'd recommend to anybody. It is an incredible film. I mm. highly, highly recommend it. Um, and that film, its ending was, okay, it basically spells it out for you, um, but it does it in a way where you read between the lines and you figure it out. It, it gives you all the information you need. And that works beautifully. It is one of the best endings to a film that I've ever seen. And it is such a masterpiece. This one, it's withholding too much information to make that impact really worthwhile because you're still thinking about it when you should be enjoying that moment during the climax. Mm. And that's just what British TV did in those days. They wanted to be recognized for being slightly over the top or slightly like you know deeper thinking. Like Everybody who worked in TV in Britain at that time was trying to go into films. And so they thought if we create a, a budget film or a budget TV series and we leave a deep message, I'll get noticed and I'll get hired. The issue is that kind of worked against them in many ways because it meant many films like this, many TV shows like this, had anticlimactic endings where people who didn't have the opportunity to Google were just left thoroughly confused. And I think this is a victim of that. I think this is one where they were trying to have their own stamp, their own plot twist, and 
because they're trying that, they actually missed out on what would have been a really satisfying ending just by itself. That was an incredible summation of, like, <laughs> what the feeling that I had as I was watching the ending. Like, that was beautiful. That was incredible. It's it's Thank just you. a shame because obviously media at that time was still, I'd say, relatively in its infancy. It's not black and white with somebody playing piano infancy, but it's infancy of, like, having an overriding story arc, having a message that hits home, even plot twist infancy. Mm. I mean, let's face it, I... At that point, that wasn't really a thing that happened, but everyone kept trying to find it, even though they didn't really know what it was yet. And Psycho I've... was 14 years earlier. That's not a plot twist ending, really. Yeah, but in terms of, I just mean, like, it, it's oh. new. It's new, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's still, Oh, I see. Yeah. It, okay. it, that, that's a plot twist in its infancy. Yeah, in and also way. Hitchcock was also way ahead of his time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, and also... Yeah, I know uh, Psycho was filmed on a TV budget, hence why they had black and white cameras. Um, but they had somebody who truly understood the medium. Most people who are working for ITC, uh, who was a big TV company at the time in the UK, and who had lots of people from that company in this film, um, lots of people were still figuring out in the first place. They weren't a like you know ridiculously good director who knew what he was doing. Lots of these people were figuring out on the way, which means sometimes you get you know new art flavored shit which doesn't work whatsoever, and sometimes you get plot lines for an action thriller which should just be a plot line for an action thriller, not something that you, you know deeply think about on the car ride home. Mm. Like granted, I'm uh, what year was the offense? Uh, seventy. Wait, hold on. Right here. Uh, 72, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 72, because yeah. it was right after Diamonds. That works with that film because <clears throat> the entire theme of that film is that theme. Like, that that twist, that the entire film's been building up to that. In this, it feels like they've added it on at the end just to, you know, try and spice up a bit. They tried to shoehorn it in, as opposed to making it the point of the entire film. And that's what mm -hmm. kind of irks me. I think it's a good ending. I think it's a fine way to end the film. I just think it would have been better if they just went for a proper thriller ending and just had that be its own self-contained thing. Mm. Well, when, when the twist is revealed, it made me realize, because I have a note in here, fucking Bernard, like the guy that just keeps telling Connery, just just give him the hostages. Just do it. Just do it. I don't care. Just do it. Then you realize, like, he was he was in on the plan. Yeah. He knew. He's like, yeah, just get, give him the hostages and it'll all be over quickly. Um, if you remove Bernard and you remove the twist, it's a much better movie. Yeah. Because then you just have it be the, the same side. They're both, they're both terrorist teams and now one's had to take over a hostage, uh, yeah. take over a, a plane full of hostages. And yeah, they they they're the same. They're on the same side rather than there being a cop. That's the thing that gets me the most. When when there's plot twists like that, you don't like you don't realize until the second time viewing. Mid seventies TV and film, you weren't really repeat watching films. You didn't have the opportunity to. This is way before VHS, way before DVD and stuff like that. And many of these films have those moments where you need to watch it again to fully understand it. Mm. The issue is obviously making the film. You understand what it is. Most people who watch this film back in the seventies probably wouldn't have watched it again and you won't realize that until you watch it a second time yeah. like tv shows at this time in the uk they did clip shows as like their season finales because people had no other way to watch the previous episodes of the front of like the franchise and that sort of thing yeah. i feel like it was kind of a double-edged sword doing a great sort of twist that you need to watch twice to realize when very few people in your audience are going to watch it twice mm. which you can do a twist with a double-edged sword 
Okay. Very, very good. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, the look left and right. That that soul crushing. <laughs> that was my twist. Uh, twist and sh- ow. <laughs> um, uh, I was also thinking of doing a Connery clip show for our Sir Billy event. Make a edit together a nice clip show. I did that nice little bicycle one. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, you got to include Connery flirting that you posted on Instagram. That was hilarious. Oh, that, have you seen that film? I've not seen the film, no. Oh, oh so, so good. good. So good. That Honestly, it seems to be our, the train movies and, and are, the, are the best ones. Any movie with Connery and trains is usually a 10 for us. Or at least a 9. At least, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah honestly, yeah. It is. Uh, yeah I think Indy was a 10. Rush with Love was a 9. Yeah, it's... Yep, I gave from Usher with Love a 9. Or it expresses. Oh, 9.5. 9.5 I gave it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Connery and nine, Trains. Nine's a bit low. 9.5 is more more, yeah, more accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, definitely watch The First Great Train Robbery. So, Very good film. Very so. funny. And talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, that film yeah. has so much in common. It has a lot of Mission Impossible stuff. It. It's got running on top of a train. It's got getting from one cart to another by having to run on top of the train. Um, and it's got a body inside. To, they smuggle a body inside of a train via a big long box. Yeah. So. Oh man. Yeah. And yeah. there's a key and a submarine. I'm just Those sound like octopusy to me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, you know what's crazy is, uh, first grade train robbery was 1974, and. Octopussy was 1983, and the train stuff in Octopussy is pathetic in comparison oh, yeah. to the train stuff in the first Great Train Robbery. I've seen the clips of it. That's some mastery. <laughs> right? Oh, do you saw our, our Mission Impossible clips? I've not uh, seen the Mission Impossible clips. I've seen just uh, I've just seen the clips of both films in part. I've seen Mission Impossible one, I think. Oh I- no, I I took the Great Train Robbery uh clip where Connery is running on top of the train, and I put Mission Impossible music to it and shared it to our <laughs> social. Oh, nice. <laughs> I probably watched that without sound on because I was at work. Uh. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's Connery in a train. Like, <laughs> a lot of our content is uh, consumed better that way. <laughs> don't listen to it. Just like, <laughs> like our podcast. <laughs> I thought you meant consume better in front of children. <laughs> Especially with that content warning at the beginning. Yeah. Perfect for kids. Uh. Hey, kids, remember the rape trick from First Night? Oh, man. A kid um, will love the offense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, uh, my next note is Connery shower. <laughs> we get yes. Connery in the shower. Yeah. Um, also, the old man with the bowler hat and the mustache, question mark. Uh, it turns out his name is Hislop. Hislop? Hislop. And he also looks like he's from a Pink Floyd album cover. Mm. Yep. Um. And uh, yeah, if he's set, if he's set on fire, he'd fit in. <laughs> what was that? If he was set on fire, he'd fit in. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, just like our last film. Oh yeah, that also had someone on fire. Oh my god! Uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> the wheel has spoken. Uh, but yeah, I was wondering what his deal was, and then I like it. it turns out because that you see them give him a look, and he kind of raises his eyebrows, and it turns out he smuggled the guns on. In his messenger bag because he's an official, he's a government official, so they don't check his bags. Oh yeah. man. Um, my next note is mush face masks make them look like PS1 characters. Yeah. Do you know what those masks actually are? 
pantyhose. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I figured they were, and it just mushes their face up. Yeah. And they look like PS1 characters. I mean, some <laughs> of those guys, you can still kind of identify, like, their face. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know? Except for that one guy, the, the one that looked like uh, Jim Henson. <laughs> His hair was all like messed up and like on his forehead. And, like... It cuts to they're all putting him on. They're all putting the the pantyhose on, and it cuts to him and he's Kermit the Frog. <laughs> that was a, that was a weird British trend as well. I don't know if it was a kink by filmmakers, but we'll see. Um, Kermit a... the Frog, <laughs> pantyhose on face, and Kermit. Let's include both. We just love watching Kermit. We love watching frogs fuck pigs. We love Kermit. Um, actually, oh my god, I don't want to bring this up. Uh, because this is the wheel again. Being... So you bring it up. I'm going to. <laughs> um, so currently in British government, uh, a previous prime minister has been re-elected into a position of power after seven years and being like, you know, sacked essentially from his position because he's shit. And the Chancellor main Palpatine, uh, equivalent, I'd say so. Oh, um, <laughs> and the main thing he was known for was that apparently university as a like, you know, kind of like a oh god a Oh, wasn't it's not when you're like entering a fraternity it's not a tutorial it's like a um when you have to initiation have to, initiation he had to like <laughs> he had to fuck a pig's face what like a dead one yeah or like a lot oh my god oh my goodness we'll talk about kermit and miss piggy um, oh my god the wheel really truly does know um <laughs> all right so what film are we getting next based on that oh jesus christ oh it's gonna film It'll be untouchables because they're policemen. Ah. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, oh, wait, how do we land on the first episode of Black Mirror? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what that episode was based on, was our prime minister at the time. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Based on the controversy surrounding that, that informed the episode Black Mirror. Um Oh so, yeah, my Lord. that's where part of that came from. Um, but the thing I was going towards, which I've completely forgotten until now, um, the whole tights thing, that was a British TV thing. Like most bank robbers would, you know, put tights over their face. And there's one film I love uh, called Villain, which has Richard Burton in it. And there's a moment which I swear, every time I see it, the guy takes off the mask and it's actually harder to identify him unless he's got the mask on. Like when he's got the mask on, his facial features are really clearly defined, and it's easy to identify who that is. When he takes <laughs> off, it's like, oh shit, that's a good disguise. <laughs> he's in the scene, he pulls it off, and the hostage's like, where, where'd he go? <laughs> Puts it back on. There he is. Oh, oh my god, he my... turned invisible. <laughs> It's like oh, Clark yeah. Kent with his glasses. <laughs> Brits really struggle with object permanence. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Goldfish. Gold. <laughs> um, okay, I've got two, three notes left. I've got three notes All left. All right, yeah, I'm almost wiped out here. Good lord. Uh, I, I'm, I'm out of mine. Okay, my my final notes are: criminals used to have class. Damn it. Oh, Ian McShane's These got criminals class. have what? What? Ian McShane's got class in there. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, criminals then they used to have some class. Damn it. Yeah. No, I, like, I. I agree, but a, a criminal here was like it seemed like a, like a, a fancy thing to do. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to hold up a plane. I say a that. High society. I say literally. Jolly good. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> a mile high society. <laughs> uh, have you ever been on the fifty mile an hour club? <laughs> That's from first grade train robbery. Oh yes, uh, the fifty mile an hour club. Uh, um. Okay. My 
next note is that when Connery is driving the little buggy out to the plane, that's when you get the dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, second time uh, in a row <laughs> to our last film where he's driving a fun little vehicle. Yes. Yeah. Last one he had that little. He was like a. What do you call that? It was like a the land yacht. Yeah, land yacht. We had like it was like a little go kart with a sail, and he was just like narrating what he was seeing, and it was just like very, very Tatooine. You know, it was very the city I gotta, of Edinburgh. I got yeah, very Edinburgh too. <laughs> Scandinavia, a hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never see a more rash and vicious place in scum. These aren't the terrorists you're looking for. <laughs> You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. We <laughs> must be what? Cautious. No cargo, just me and these two droids. And, and no questions asked. He would have been great. He would have been so good as Obi-Wan or Tarkin. Yeah, or like... I think he would have been a better Tarkin. Yeah. Yeah. How old we? Okay. Yeah, 77. So he would have been, it would have been three years after this film. So, so he would have been um, 37. He wouldn't. 47. <laughs> 37. He 47. wouldn't look old enough. Grand Moff Tarkin, I don't know if it's because Peter Cushing did it so well, needed to look old. Mm. Yeah, he kind of, he was like walking around in his little slippers, all that, all comfortable and stuff. I, I could see him as being I'll play like, the emperor. Emperor? Who could you see him being? I'm sorry. Like, like I don't know, like maybe even. Luke. Like, <laughs> I was trying to go to Tashi Station for some power converter. For God's sakes. Uncle Owen. There's nothing to do around here since Biggs and Tank left. <laughs> Why did that one work so well? <laughs> it's the simple stuff, man. That always kills me. I want to hear. <laughs> I want to. I want to hear him talking to. Uh... With the blast shield down, I can't even see. How am I supposed to fight? <laughs> I want to see him talking to Bip Fortune outside Jabba's palace. It's like, would offer him these two droids. Jabba, please make a deal. Jabba, no. Jabba, bother. please make a deal with me. I'd really appreciate it <laughs> if I could have my friend back. He's in that ice box, you see. <laughs> Which is made out of chocolate at this point. Exactly, yes. <laughs> hey, Max Rebo, stop licking it. <laughs> With your little weird suckering cup hands. I said, would it be the sort of thing Chewie starts licking it and dies because he's half dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my god. Oh, no. uh, oh. So Star Wars. My final note I gotta turn to the IMDb trivia here. I'm not I've got one note after this too. Oh, go ahead and share it. Oh, uh, one I've got, and this is, I know I've harped on about 60s and 70s British TV and film, but this is something that's a deep interest of mine. I love how bizarrely small moments can seem massive. And you know the moment where they realize that the bus has been switched and they yell that over the radio and you have a it's second, been switched. Yeah. You have a second of them being like, shit, the terrorist here. That's such a great little twist. Like, not it's not a twist. It's a, it's a great little moment. A moment of suspense. It's a moment of suspense that was so budget friendly. <laughs> yes. And these these films like this and TV shows like this always did it really well. And this was a prime example of it. Mm. Just one thing that didn't need to necessarily be a dramatic, tense moment. But in that moment, you're like, 
on edge for just a second. One line delivered very well. Yeah. Creates all the tension. Yeah. I'm, I Three love. Three words. Yeah. I, I, again, that, that scene is a highlight of the film for me. And then when you realize he's in on it the whole time, like, you realize, like, oh, he's alerting them. Yeah. To the situation. Yep. Ah. <laughs> oh, it's clever. It's clever. Oh. I have one more goofy note too. Do it up. I forgot about. My last note is also very goofy. All right. So uh, when we see, so when we see the ambassador, like said, the conversation, "Where's the ambassador?" And he goes to the back, and he's like, "Has like, he's he's got a face? He has like a eye mask over, right?" Yeah. Yes. I remember his face was covered. He's got at some a COVID point. mask on too. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> speaking of Star Wars, did a part of you think when Connery went to go reach for him? He was gonna vanish like Yoda when Yoda died. <laughs> like he goes, he just gets transparent and the clothes. Just like fall in our last him. film with the guy oh who gets God. burned and then throws a thing on him, and you're like, wouldn't it be funny if he disappeared like Yoda? <laughs> but I thought the ambassador was dead for a second. I'm like, I all thought the, he was too. Was Did like, you think the, that, Chris? Because then they say he had like a heart thing. That okay? They teased that, that. Okay, the what the wife. Because the wife comes in and says, every minute you delay this is bad for his heart. He, you think he's going to die. And and then he has the moment in the bus where he needs the pill. And I got scared and thought he was going to die in that yeah, bus. Yeah, they really dragged us off. And then when he, at the very end on the plane, I thought that would have been the best twist to the movie. But I, at first, my brain was like running all the calculations. Like, okay, is he dead? Wait, if he's dead, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't the best twist be if, not even from the heart condition, he caught one of those bullets? Oh, that'd have been good. That would have been the best twist to be like. Not only was this all preventable, but he didn't even die of the thing that was killing him anyway. Like yeah. he died of the most senseless thing out of all of this. Yeah. Was that gunfight at the end? Yeah, as intense as it was, I couldn't stop help but laugh at the frozen still of Petrie shot in the head. Yes, it's, clear, it's clearly paused. Right. I I love and I love how that implies that the momentum of the body was so, like he was leaning forward and then he got shot in the head, but the force of the bullet only knocked him upright, and he's like his body is at a perfect one hundred twenty degree. Up or 180 degree 90. I'm sorry, perfect 90 degree angle. Excuse me, little up, forgive me. Perfect 90 degree angle. He's just upright perfectly so that if like a slight breeze moves him, then he would tip over. But for the moment, <laughs> he's just the bullet didn't have enough force to knock him over, and he's just upright. That's rigor mortis, bro. Have you looked? Have you heard about it? It, it already kicked in, it kicked in super Straight away. quick. It happens. Yeah. The, the bullet had rigor mortis in it. <laughs> It's a rigor mortis laced bullet. Hey, look here, look here, 007. <laughs> shoot the shoot the target and he'll freeze instantly. Hey, guys, keep vamping. I'll be right back. You got it. Now, see, we've we've launched a a real live human from the thirtieth story of this building. Real now, shoot him in the air. Shoot him in the air. You see, he freezes midair. The rigor mortis bullet. Oh, wait a second. Nope, he didn't freeze mid. Oh, splat. <laughs> we should really stop using live people for this. <laughs> Which is what those 
cops should have thought before they like we should we need a plan to catch these uh terrorists how about we hijack a fucking plane yeah to catch to catch a terrorist they must become a terrorist (laughs) they'll never shit (laughs) he must become to tie it into another film he must become the very thing that he hunts the offense, essentially. Uh, yeah, or, well, yeah. he, not, he must not become that. He must not become the thing that he hunts. Red October? A submarine. <laughs> he must not become a submarine. He oh, must no, not... it's happening. <laughs> I'm turning into a submarine. With beeps and boops. What the hell have I come back to? <laughs> oh, nothing. <laughs> the Chris Hunt for Red October. Ah, nice. Oh my god, I never thought of that. Oh, that would have been a a brilliant episode idea. Oh, Chris (laughs) Hunt for October. Uh, We've got a guest lined up for that episode, but I mean, I don't think it would harm it. Hey, that's that's my cousin. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'll be on a separate separate Zoom at the same time where you can't hear me. We have to try and find where I am. (laughs) The hunt for Chris October. (laughs) I love that. Missed the entire point of it. Uh, did I miss the whole point of it? Did I miss the point of the joke? <laughs> I guess. I, miss, I don't know. Did I, like I missed the point of Patrick Hale being a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I need to ask some people about Patrick Hale. That's gonna bother yeah. me. Yeah, it's gonna bug me too. I'm trying to. I'm sure it's gonna hit us. Maybe it'll hit us one day, and we'll be like, "Oh, that's why it's funny." But... Oh, Patrick Hale. <laughs> <laughs> Like the kind of kale? I don't know. I am, uh, oh, Patrick Cake, that centaur. <laughs> the cake. Just the cake. Uh, okay, right. I'm, I've got one more note, and Hit then I've got to take a Connor P, but my note actually ties into the Connor P. Oh, okay. So, um, we have to do with the hear you pee? Yes. <laughs> like, like Leslie Nielsen in The Naked Gun. Okay, the little boy coming out of the toilet in the airplane <laughs> keeps saying... Bye. I don't. I'm, hold on. Let's let's hear. Let's hear how this is pronounced. Bye. Let's hear how this is pronounced. <laughs> That's what Vader was really yelling when he told him that Padme had passed. Bye. Bash. 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 So the little boy coming out of the toilet in the airplane keeps saying "bash" to one of the terrorists who mimics the word "bash." Is the Norwegian word for poo. <laughs> really? <laughs> Who the fuck wrote this and why did they get 18 helpful votes? More than any other votes in the entire world. Bash, colloquial, used as an expression of disgust or contempt. Solid excretory product evacuated from the bowels. Feces. Poop. Poo. Shit. A, a turd. <laughs> Oh Jesus, God. this podcast really turned to shit. Yeah. Despica- uh, bash. Really turned to bash. Bash. I oh. now. How would Connery say that? Bash. bash. <laughs> you would add an extra H to the end. I'm feeling very okanta. I must, I must take a bash. A, a bath, sir? No, a bash. You have many French. <laughs> I speak I'm not, English. I'm not French. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a Connor P. I'll be right, I'll be right back. Oh, Connor P. Bye. Connor P. 
Uh, any more notes from you, Chris, as you slowly lose your mind with us here? I don't know. I feel like I, I, I have nothing to follow that up with. <laughs> it's hard to follow up with that. Let's see, I think the only last note I can cover while we wait for Dylan to come back is I think one of the funniest kind of quotes is um, at one point Petrie says, At 5.30 I blow this plane up. Then you have no soldiers to play with. Then it cuts to Connery looking at the clock and he just says, Hmm. And that's the scene. <laughs> so I had to rewind and be like, wait, did like, he just say, fuck? hmm? Like, why are you not concerned? Why is no one concerned in this film? They're like, there's possibly bombs on this plane. We're not sure. There's like two groups of terrorists with hostages. And you guys are just like, ah, we'll get to it. I tell you, you've got yourself some content from some future Instagram stuff. Every time, like, an incredible piece of information is told, just cut to Connie going, huh. <laughs> <laughs> what have I missed? So I just said one of my favorite quotes that I, I jotted down was not from Connery. It kind of is from Connery. Bash. But mostly from, uh, uh, from I've got Petri. to take a bash. <laughs> well, we only have showers. Only showers. <laughs> but at uh, one point, Peach goes, uh, Petri, sorry. Peach. Peach. I've got to go to the bar. To I take go a take peach. a <laughs> I peach my pants. Uh, but... Guaranteed one of those passengers did. As soon as somebody said, we, we'll blow this. As soon as Petri said, we're going to blow this up in a second. Just one person like. <laughs> it's the person who's reading the magazine, but shaking at the same time. <laughs> I can't hold it anymore. And that old man ruined the bathrooms. Uh. But anyway, so yeah, what I was saying to Chris is the quote from Petrie is, at 5.30 I blow this plane up, then you have no more soldiers to play with. And then it cuts to Connery looking at the clock and it says, hmm. And the the scene ends. That's his reaction (laughs) to so many Uh, things in this movie. Yeah, just just, uh, passivity. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of passivity. Like he's dealt with this for a lot. (laughs) Oh, another hostage situation on a plane happens every day. kind of like in the offense, like how he's just kind of used to these things. Oh yeah, he's just like I'm used to seeing all this crap, but yeah, but which we haven't really talked a lot about Connery in this episode. Well, I think we will because we're gonna get to our final ratings here. Yeah, we, we, anybody else have anything to say on the film before we get into that? Beesh. I think I bash. I was posh. I was gonna say it was it was Oof. a it's a thoroughly this the the way I've summed this summed this film up is a. It's a rainy Sunday afternoon, and you just put this film on. It's one of the one of the styles of films for me. Ooh, that is a good description. Or a winter day because of the snow in this movie. Exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's a lazy afternoon film. You don't need to go too in depth with it. You just watch it and have a good time. I I thoroughly enjoy this film. Mm. Same. 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 Yeah. Very good. So I think that yeah that's yeah. So that was uh the terrorist. Or, or ransom, uh, ransom. Which on. which is a better title? Should we discuss that? I prefer ransom. I think I ransom is better. I think the terrorist is a better title. I, don't know, I feel like it's too on the nose. Like ransom's a little, little slightly more vague. I don't know. But given that there's no money, it's not really a ransom. Oh, you the ransom that... is human. Li- the ransom is human life, right? Yeah. Okay. But that's usually what a ransom implies, like money for the human life. 
I think the thing that spoils it slightly is the fact there was a very popular film called Ransom by Mel Gibson. Yeah. If that film didn't exist, it might change the perception of this title slightly. Yeah, I think I like The Terrorists better as a, as a title myself. Hmm. The Terrorist sounds like a TV show episode. It does. Or the or a TV show. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Which it actually sounds like a very British TV show. Yeah. So, <laughs> It'd be, oh, I say. Like, <laughs> like The Prisoner. Oh, such a good fucking series. Yeah, I need to watch it. Do the Magooan fucking memories, I don't know. <laughs> The guy who's at that is called Patrick McGowan. Oh, okay. Oh, oh um, yeah, no. If, if if you guys ever watched The Prisoner, I made a short film about myself in that. So when you really? watch, grant you access to that series. Okay, okay, Ooh, okay. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little note in the episode right now just so I remember that. If you okay. watch episode, if you watch episode one, that's all the context you need for the episode I made. Okay. Hell yeah, Ooh, you made okay. your own episode of the show. Yeah. I remade it, and I remade the entire intro sequence as well. With it's a shot for shot remake with me where I lived back in the UK, and the entire like the prisoner was a big thing for me and my dad specifically. And one day, whilst hammered at like one o'clock in the morning, we're like we should remake the series, and we're like, <laughs> and next day we went to an airfield, shot certain scenes, and just re- we made remade the entire intro for in, we meet there. We remade the entire intro for shot for shot, and then crafted our own episode. Wow. Oh, how fun. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we got to see that. We got to see that. Yes. Yeah, yes. So watch the first episode and then hit you up, you said? Absolutely. Okay. You All got right. it. <clears throat> uh, but okay. So, yeah. So that was The Terrorist or or, uh, or Ransom, depending on what country you're in. Uh, so after our discussion, before we spin the wheel and say goodnight, we like to do our final scores, uh, not just of the man himself and the film itself. We also like to rate the score of the musical score, the uh, FDSHs, the sexiness rating. Am I missing something? Um, Sean and the film. In the Sean film. Right. Those are all of them. Yes. yes. I've done a show before. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, we're going to go around the horn here and do our... Horny for Horner. Horny for Horners. Uh, which we start with first, the SHing? I think we should. That's what we normally start with. All right, so I think we'll go guests first. Yeah, Chris, mm-hmm. you're up first. Uh, does the SH uh, scale of one to ten from Connery? It's weird. Connery in this has more of his open vowel words. Like mm. you know, when there's the scene when it's like, oh, if we open up this, if we open up this, if we let this happen, there'll be a terrorist attack next week, and the week after that, it's is that which is stronger as opposed to his shush. So I'm going to have to give it a six. It's not a big shush film. It's mm. more of the open vowel that we see. And that's obviously him trying his very hardest to be, you know, Scandinavian. <laughs> <laughs> as hard as he could possibly try. Oh. Mario, what are you going to give it? Uh, I think I was around there. I, I gave it a five because, yeah, it's not really there. It's very, uh, I, I do, I do, uh, I'm very fond of this version of his voice where he does kind of enunciate those certain words like that. Very big vowel. And whatnot. So yeah. So what? Not not very thick there. So I uh, a solid five for me. Alrighty. I am gonna go down a number and give him a four. Whoa. Ooh. I I as I said in the last episode, I've been going with this method that I I'll listen to any like sentence that he does, and I'll kind of try and gauge how much of that sentence has the H in it, and I go by percentages. And about 40% of his lines had that SH in it. 
Hmm. Or, or you know, the H added to that end of the word. And so I'm going to call it a four about 40% of the time. Fair play. Okay. Okay, so our next uh, our next rating will be our sexy rating. Oh, shit. Chris, oh, what are you giving them? Oh, uh, t- so an average of five on the SH. So, <clears throat> what are you giving them? What are you giving this sexy rating for this film? It's gonna be low. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be really low. Yeah. I mean, granted, you see the hat and you just want to take it off him, but for the wrong reason. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say, Christ. I'm trying to think of any reason I should give it above a one. I mean, there's nothing in this. Like, I guess he's in control of the situation, which can be sexy within itself. But it's a two. It there's nothing particularly sexy about this. I agree, Mario. I gave it a two as well, actually, because I think the only it, it's not a sexy film at all. But no. I just I just love that sweater. I love Winter Connery, cozy <laughs> Winter Connery. This is a smart sweater. He, he he looks cozy while he's trying to deal with this terrorist threat. Mm. And why not do it do it in style? So two for me for sexy. All righty. Well, I'm gonna give it a two point five. I'm gonna go higher than you guys Ooh. on this one. I my my reasoning is one <laughs> point for Connery in his sweater. Nice. One point for Ian McShane. Okay. And a half a point for Connery taking a shower. Mm, okay. That. Okay. So we got two point one six as our average. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the musical score. Chris, what'd you think of the music for this oh, movie? Uh, solid nine. Hell yeah. I lo- I love this score. It was perfect. It 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 was almost perfect, apart from the fact the quite a few songs needed a bit more depth. Uh, but mm. for the moments where there's action or tension, spot on. Absolutely spot on. Hell yeah. Uh, is it something that you would listen to on its own? I do. <laughs> yeah. Do you do? You listen to this regularly? Yeah. Uh, I like Aerial Chase. That's my favorite sound uh, piece of soundtrack from the film. Oh, I wonder if we can find this on vinyl. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Still um, trying to find that Medicine Man vinyl. That is a good soundtrack. <laughs> Except for that medicine. opening music. Yeah, that weird like Ace Ventura. Super happy, like you're playing George a kid's jungle. math game. Yeah, I only use that as a specific reference because when I was a kid, I had a math game where it was like a rabbit and a lion are trapped on an island and they have to count the right amount of bananas for the ship to be able to leave. Steel drums and bongos. Exactly. Exactly. I think I think it was four. Um. Anyway, so uh, Mario, what are you giving the musical score? Uh, I I think I'm gonna get. I gave it eight point five. I really enjoyed it. Although there were some like it's kind of a mental note. I meant to like this one scene in particular. Where the music is really bumping, very tense scene, and it cuts abruptly. Yes, the plane chase. Yeah, but it's not like a solid cut. It just feels like there's hit pause on the track. Like it doesn't stop at a, a good point. You know what I mean? It's mm. very abrupt and it kind of jarred me a little bit. It's like, oh, that's that's a weird cut. I thought something happened to my like stream or something that I was watching. It's mm. weird. Uh but yeah, I think it's tremendous music still uh with all that and uh yeah. Definitely one I want to listen to again by itself. Hell yeah. I'm going to give the score a 7.5. Oh, I nice. really liked it, but it there were moments <laughs> like aerial, the aerial chase was really good. Um, Another d- descending score, by the way, with all of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like descending scores. Which which was a motif he worked into the music. was a lot of descending. <laughs> That's very descending true. Descending scale. That's right. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but I'd argue think? that's a bit low. That seems like a bit of a harsh score for for gagging for Goldsmith or whatever it was. All right, you know what? I'll I'll bump it up to an eight. There we go. Right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I like 8. that 8.5 as an average. Oh, I like but, that better. But yeah, I I liked when it was Goldsmith really like the aerial chase music was a, a a great example of Goldsmith's best writing, but then some of like the sharp metallic stabs at the beginning of the movie didn't really do it for me. I love that sort of shit. Uh, I liked it. I liked it, but it just I don't know, it it Maybe it was just like the mix quality. I don't know. We watched this on a DVD copy. We uh, have a Blu-ray copy, so yeah. I'm, I'd I'd be curious to see how this looks updated. It mm. looks amazing in Blu-ray, uh, especially yeah. especially as you're talking about aerial chase. The shots uh, like of the planes over the mountains looks incredible. Wow. Yeah, I I'd, I'd like to watch this on Blu-ray at some yeah. point because I want to watch this again, which we'll get into in our ratings, mm-hmm. which would be our next rating. There we go. The, the film, film itself. <laughs> Chris, what are you giving this bad boy? I'm torn. Um, I we do I points, right? We do... <laughs> For me, this is like this is a solid seven point five film. But every time I watch it, I have such a good time. And every time I finish it, I go, "That was a good film. I'm glad I watched that again." So it's got to be an eight for me. It's, this is an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten from Chris. Mario, what are you giving it? I think I'll stick with you with with an eight as well because yeah, it's like. As we talked about in the beginning of the show, we look at that Rotten Tomatoes score, which, of course, is whatever. Who cares about those tomatoes? But, like, um, <laughs> but yeah, I totally agree with what some people were kind of saying. I think it's a very uh, fun film. It's entertaining. It's, like, something a little different. It's not, like, in-your-face action, but it's still tense, and it, like, makes you feel something at the end, you know? It's, like, mm. tense, man. Like, you know, the, the twists and turns are... Are tremendous. So yeah, I I I, I really enjoyed this film, and it's definitely going to go on my shelf as one of the uh, 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 Connery DVDs to bring on a desert island. I think for oh, sure. Wow. I think I would think wow. I would think, think I would see it again. Fantastic. Mm. Well, uh, you, you said it was really tense, and I I agree, Mario. This movie is is camping sex. It's fucking intense. <laughs> oh my god. Ah. Uh, but. Uh, also, save those tomatoes. Well, we're going to be buying a lot of tomatoes when this slot machine rings out because I'm giving it an eight as well. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, I really like this film. It's very rewatchable. Um, the twist does bring it from being an 8.5 or a 9 even at times. Um, but yeah, it's a great blend of tension and uh, great cinematography and phenomenal acting. Um, and, uh, as you said, really working, uh, within their budget very well. I think I got OCD there on my desk. Um, I got some spare OCD around my desk. I gotta get it off. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's just, uh, the, the only way I can describe it is the perfect Sunday afternoon film. Yeah, that is a It really is, yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to sell it, I think. Eights from all of us for an average of eight. That is perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. That's perfect rating. That's what it deserves for a, a budget film as well. It was punching above its budget, but it's it's a damn good watch. I love this film. Yeah, the twist is the weakest part of it for sure. Agreed. Mm. Yeah. Um. I. I. As I said before, if you take out Bernard, and and the twist that Petrie's a cop, 
take those out and you've got a 9.5 even i'd i'd say this film, this film's capability was a nine i'd say 9.5 would be a bit much like yeah 9.5 and 9.5 and 10 that's safe for like untouchables and stuff like that this is the most this could have achieved was a nine the fact it made an eight is a commendation yeah okay i agree with you yeah as soon as i said that i'm like yeah it's not like the first grade train robbery or anything mm. um <laughs> it's, the, it's the first grade plane robbery mm-hmm Hey. hey, the plane train, the plane train, <laughs> the plane train lives. Is half, is lifted off. Boomer lives. Yeah. All right, uh, for our final, final score rating. of the evening, the one that matters most, it's our Sean rating. Chris, what did you think of the man himself, Sir Sean Connery's performance in this film? This is one I thought very hard about because when I first watched this film, I was like, oh, he's not in this very much. But actually, mm. it's the most Sean Connery film to be in control of this anti-British film and have to do very little effort until the very end and be calling the shots the entire time. And also, he just seems comfortable in the role. I mean, if you first watch it, you might think it's almost a bit of a lazy role for him, but he's in charge the entire time. He's fully got a grip on the scenario. So for me, as a Sean rating, it's a nine. It's a fantastic Sean Connery film. He is in charge the entire time. He's got all of it in the palm of his hand and... It's not his film by any means, but the role he plays in it, he does exactly as it needed to be. It's not a 10 because he, I don't feel like he goes above and beyond, but I don't know. It, it, it's a damn good Sean film. Mm. Damn. Mario? Yeah, I I went with 8.5. I do think he's tremendous in this, but like, yeah, like there's a lot of like, it's not a Sean movie, like Chris said, and yeah, we don't sometimes we kind of forget it's a Sean movie. I'm like, oh, that's right, he's in this, you know, because I kind of got, I kind of got stolen away a little bit by uh, Ian, Ian McShane. Uh, McShane. Oh, yeah, I'm like, I if agree. this was, if this was the uh, McShane Memories podcast, um, he <laughs> Memories would be, of McShane. Uh, oh yeah, he'd be a solid ten. Something we didn't touch on. Ian McShane is so bloody good in this film. Oh he is yeah, such a good villain. He we is barely incredible. talk about him. Yeah, he is. Ian McShane is the. Is he's the most watchable part of this film, which is saying something when you got Sean Connery and his Tour de Force era. But yeah, this was if this was an in podcast, he'd be ten out of ten. And he has way more lines than Connery too. And that's the thing: when you got way more lines, you've also got to consider there's way more lines you can fuck up. He nails every single one. Exactly, and and savors each one too. So like you, he really rings everything out of each line that he can. He also rings it out of when he's not talking. Like when they realize that the switch has happened, his reaction is perfect. Oh yeah, <laughs> all yeah. In the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, did you think it was necessary for the switch bus for them also to be holding guns to the actors <laughs> while they were driving? <laughs> like, yeah, I know we got to keep up this appearance, but uh, we're not there yet. I'm getting and, into uh, character. I don't think we need to do this until like we get out of the van. Like, yeah, well, I like it. <laughs> I like holding guns to people. Oh, sorry. Man. And how and how like frustrated were you when he's like, Hey Mike, take care of that van and two of them turn around and then they realize you're not Mike and then that's how that all gets busted. I'm like, Come on, man. Or oh. or it's like we didn't we don't have anyone in our gang gang named Mike. <laughs> Who's Mike? Mike Mike calling sick today. <laughs> I'm really sorry guys. Is it okay if I pop off for just five minutes? I'll be back in just a second. Yes. Oh yeah, course, sure, sure, sure. Yes, thank you. My apologies. You're good. Right, no worries. Sorry, chaps, I have returned. Right. Oh, 
let's back. let's wrap it up. I just shared with Mario a gif. Like, want to show him three fabulous King Kong films <laughs> for a dollar? Still, is this the one? Those those are the ones with Mihama with Mihama from You Only Live Twice. And um, oh wow, uh, um, I forget the other woman's name at the moment. Uh, oh, I've got You Only Live Twice right here. Let's uh, Akiko Washabayabi, right? Yes. Um, all right. Yep, yeah, you'll have to listen Akiko to Wakabayashi. There we go. You have to listen to that episode, Chris. So we discussed that on the You Only Live Twice episode. There's like this crazy trivia about the actresses who played uh, Kissy Suzuki and what was the other one? Uh, oh, God, Christ. Aki. Aki. I'm far, Aki, too, Aki. I'm um, far but... too drunk to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm too one, drunk to taste one of them is in one, uh, is in like a King Kong movie, and another is in like a Mecha Godzilla movie. And then they're both in Godzilla versus King Kong. Well, the thing is that the roles had to be switched because the girl who initially played Aki uh, couldn't learn her English quick enough. Yes, threatened suicide because yes. she was going to be fired. Yes, yeah. so that's what. Yeah, Dylan blew my mind with that on the you know, you know, twice episode. Wow, real hard to watch that now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a different movie going experience. <laughs> yeah, he's got a face like a pig. <laughs> Could you imagine that in like any other movie? Be like, um, Schindler's List. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Liam Neeson just couldn't get the accent down quick enough and he threatened to kill himself because Spielberg was having doubts. <laughs> Which is funny because I'm looking at my bookshelf and I've got Indiana Jones right over there. So I was trying to think of something from Indiana Jones. And you're like, nah, let's go with a darker Spielberg film. <laughs> <clears throat> the, jaw, I was... the jaws the shark couldn't swim the fake shark was going to kill itself <laughs> Bruce was fucked <laughs> I was, I, my brain went to short round short round he's killed a man he just, just was in low key yeah, uh, and not killing himself yeah, the kid turns up he's not short or round <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'll be short I swear I'll be round <laughs> I swear <laughs> Don't fire me! I'll kill that, myself. I tell you what, that, that's the British rota- uh, British version. Is the like, vertically challenged rotund character. <laughs> uh, excuse me, Doctor Jones. <laughs> I do oh. drive very well. <laughs> Anyways, so Dylan, let's move it on uh, on our toes here. What's your Sean rating for this? My song? Sean rating. I'm going to meet you there, Chris. I'm going to give him a nine. Ooh. Yeah. yeah it's, he's... it's it's not your typical Sean performance, which is what I like about it. Yeah, it's very... Even last week's was very different, too. We've been going to a really different style of Connery. Last like, week was very com- comedic. Yeah, very comedic. Mm. And this one's very, like, you know... I like him as, like, the de- Stoic. detective, Ooh. you know, sort of vibe. And, you know, that... Yeah, that, that him figuring it all out with tape recorder is very, I think I said before, it's very Batman. That's like, wow. It's mm. like, you know, this puts it all together. So it's uh, tremendous. It's not who I am underneath, <laughs> but what I do that defines me. <laughs> defines me. <laughs> Does it come in black? <laughs> I was born Where in. Where were the other drugs going? <laughs> I was born in the shush rating, molded by it. <laughs> molded by it. <laughs> With lovely singing voice. Uh, yeah, I remember when I first saw that, I was like, is Tom Hardy trying to do Connery in this? I remember laughing 
out loud in the theater. I'm like, what? That's his voice, Bane's voice. Well, I mean, it, how inconceivable! <laughs> inconceivable. <laughs> Wallace Shawn. <laughs> like Tom, we you auditioned to be the Riddler. Like, what's what's going on here? Say again. Riddle me this, Batman. Uh, like, oh <laughs> like that, that, that was his Joker. That was his Joker too. That was supposed to be the villain for the third one originally. Riddler, was, yeah. Also, knowing Sean Connery be like, riddle me this, Batman. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Punches him right in the face. Slaps him. Uh, uh, smacks his butt. <laughs> oh, Robin. But anyways, guys, so yeah, that, those are our scores, yeah. and there's nothing you can do to change our oh, minds. I, I didn't explain. I, I, he's very stoic, and his passivity, is his coolness in the situation mm. is... Really, I think it just contributes everything to this role. And he's he, Connery is clearly having a, an enjoyable time acting yeah. in this role. Yes, he's not having fun, but you can tell he's enjoying going to work. And he, he liked that script. Yeah, he chewed tell. his Great. teeth into that role. Yeah, so. completely agree. Yeah. All so right. uh, yeah, that's and that gives us an average Sean rating of eight point eight three three. So let's go over our Solid. ratings one more time. Our average SH is a 5. Our average sexy rating is a 2.16. Not a very sexy film. Our average musical score is an 8.5. We like this music. Our average film rating is a solid 8 from all of us. We like this movie. And an average Sean rating of 8.833333. We like Sean in this movie. He did a good job. Uh, and I've added, since you last joined us, Chris, I've added another column. Oh, it nice. adds up all those averages into oh. the total Sean. So on a scale of 1 to 10, the total Sean for this film is 6.5. Okay. That's not bad. That's fair. Yeah, that, that seems all right. I can, yeah. I can live with that. You throw all the averages in? I think our highest average is, is um, it's Last Crusade. That's the highest Sean. Oh, yeah. And that one is only a 9.26. Jeez. So. Wow. We also had two guests on that episode, yeah. so that kind of boosted the score a little bit. Mm. Yeah, everyone loved it. Uh, but yeah, so that's gonna do it for the terrorist slash ransom, which means this is our big moment. Oh yeah, the, so... the, the one thing we 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 put our robes on and go to the chambers and bow down to the great wheel of curiosities where we're going to spin to see what film we're covering next and now we're still doing the chant right oh yeah of oh, course we gotta do the chant, and, and do the chant. Do, we want to double check you spun the wheel when you were on yes yep okay good well we've sent it to you again if you check the chat there oh wow I open I, the I, link I, there okay and join share, to share my screen share your screen with us and share the audio please Oh yes. Uh, sh- uh, share screen. Hostess and table pop. <laughs> Hostess oh, and table oh, participant yeah. screen sharing. Um, multiple. Advanced, <laughs> it's it multiple. Multiple participants. There we there go. go. Try that again. But what's great that. is that also because I now have screen sharing, I'm gonna force you to watch my intro to the prisoner. Hell yeah! <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do that. <laughs> no, please. Can you see what I see? I yes. see. Yeah, we see stuff. Right. What are we looking for, guys? I I'm not gonna. Lie. I want to see you guys do the untouchables. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, yeah, I've been... It's possibly my favorite Connery film, so that's why I want to see it so bad. Uh, so I hear it so badly, because I think that will beat the 9.2 of Crusade. Wow, really? Yep. Okay, okay. Ooh, I'm up for the challenge. So yeah, Untouchables. Uh, either Untouchables or I'm still very Connery curious about Darby O'Gill and the Little People, because it's only Disney films. 
Uh, so I'm kind of curious about that. You'll um, love that film. It's so funny. <laughs> it, it, it looks, I, we, we kind of scanned by it. It's on my watch list on Disney+. Plus. So me and my wife go to like watch something. I see it, and I'm like so tempted to click on it because I'm like, what is this about? I, don't, I know nothing about the film. Fuck is going on, and why is he Irish again? <laughs> yeah, is he actually Irish? In this? Yep. Let's see. Uh, so oh. I'm looking at what we have left. I, I really want the Hunt for Red October. Yeah, we I... missed out on that for October. Mm, mm. <laughs> Though I did feel that our final film for October was fitting. Given yeah, that it was scary as fuck. It was very spooky. Um, oh no, that was perfect. Literally, fence. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was so creepy, and there's moments in that are that are very Halloween esque and horror movie esque, you know. Um, I I'd love to see one of the Highlander films. So if we get Highlander two, we're gonna watch Highlander one. Well, that's the um, that's the only film that he's played the same character apart from done a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just based on who we have as a guest, I really want to do Time Bandits. Hmm. So, mm. Um. We've got a great guest lined up for that as well. Right, gentlemen. Shall we? Oh, anything we don't want? Any, any documentary. 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 Yeah, I'm kind of. Um, I, I don't I... want another Bond right now. Save Bond yeah. for a little while. We've I don't got want a lot th- left. I don't want Thunderball because it's my least favorite Connery Bond. Mm. Okay, but how do you feel about Never Say Never Again? Because we'd be doing that one right after. I enjoy Never Say Never Again just for the how the the oddity that it is. Yeah, I'm there for the video <laughs> game scene. Place the little laser video game. Oh yeah, Dominion. Dominion, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, um, Chris, could you refresh that page? I just realized I refreshing. Yeah. Okay, make sure we don't have any repeats in there. How's that? Uh, it looks good. Uh, why just... is it? Um, I wonder why it's coming in. Uh. Do you have options there that you can? No, he's not going to have the sh- options. You can't shuffle. Uh, I've, got, I've got copy this wheel. I've got music. Um, uh-huh. So all I can okay. say. Hold on one second. I'm just shuffle. You know what? I'm going to shuffle it and then I'm going to send it to you again. I don't think it's going to change. Okay. It might. Let's just let's just see. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing it anyway. Okay. There we go. Perfect. All I right. Shuffled up. Lovely. Awesome. awesome. So I, I didn't want it to affect any chances right, by right, right. having them be in alphabetical order. Understandable. Yeah. All right, folks. So it let's... looks like it's time to spin. Right? Are we ready? Is everyone ready? I'm Chris, ready. ready. I'm okay. good. Ready. All right. It's time to spin the wheel of curiosity. Oh, so true. Darvio killing the little people. It was a hair from Thunderball. So Did you see that? Incredibly it was a hair close. from Thunderball and a hair from the Untouchables. That was ins- Oh my god. That was so wow. tense. That was literally everything we talked about. I saw Untouchables and I was like, yes! And this shifted to Darbio fucking and Gill. I got so scared that it was gonna land on Thunderball. Wait, had, I didn't even wait, see Darbio Gill. Click X that out real Hit quick. remove, please. Hit remove. Well, oh. well no, I want to see it together. But look. All our three films that we oh, picked drivers. are together. All four that we talked about are all together. Yeah, so for the oh. listeners, um, it was The Untouchables, Darby O'Gill, Thunderbolt, and Helldrive. Screenshot that, though. Order. <laughs> Screenshot that. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That's, that's insane. That's, that's so incredible. funny. Uh, 
The wheel has spoken. The wheel knows. God bless the wheel. Oh, man. So, yeah, so. Wow, a hair from Thunderball. Darvio Gill and the little people. As you say, by a hair. That could not be closer. Wow. Unbelievable. I I was legitimately scared that it was going to land on Thunderball because look at all the films we have left. We have like 35 films left. I don't want. Thunderball. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to wipe out because then that would mean diamonds. I mean, it would be fitting that we did the first Bond we did was Doctor No, and the last one we do was yeah. Diamonds. I hope that's the case. That'd that be would be great. Fitting. I just don't want it yet. But yeah, not yet. Yeah. Actually, it would be more fitting to get Diamonds and then Thunderball and Never Say Never Again because then it would be his last film as Bond. Technically, Ooh. yes. But so. but yeah. I don't want either of them yet. I want. I want to wait a little bit. We've got yeah. so many films left. Like, yeah, let's so put it much. in the. We're this. This is film number forty-two coming up. The one we just did was number forty-one. Like, I want the next film. I don't want until like sixty-five. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Like, well, maybe see, I will see. I, I maybe, might miss maybe, it. Maybe fifty-seven. I might miss it a little bit. It's like one of those things where if I feel like putting a bond on, I'm like, I have to be careful because I can't watch. Well, you've Connery got you. Enough. You can watch most of the Connery ones. Yeah, now we can go Goldfinger, Doctor No, whenever I want. Rush would love. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm just Diamonds has a special place in my heart because of how campy it is. Oh, dude, I'm the, I love Diamonds all forever. That's the one I quote the most, like all the time. I'll be like, you know, I I speak English or stupid shit like that. I got a brother. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm uh, so excited to watch Darby and O'Gill. Darby O'Gill. I have no idea what to expect. Connery's only Disney film. I'm about to say, get ready. And also, this was the film that this was the film that gave him his big break. Realize that as you're watching it. I believe wow. that this was the film that got him the role of Bond. Like, yes. like he was he had auditioned for it and or something. And and Dana and Covey Broccoli were in the movie theater and saw this. And Dana leaned over. She's like, you gotta fucking hire him it was I'm a shot all wet right now it was a shot where he's chirping the lady and they made that bond not where he was singing <laughs> where he's what chirping uh flirting uh chirping i like that better <laughs> i've just returned from america a land of many prominent erections <laughs> and chirping <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> like, have you ever been to and he's up in the air <laughs> My God, so good. He's just doing this the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and I love when it cuts back. Like, he does seem good. Like, oh, you'll, you, you don't care who she marries. <laughs> that movie is so good. Watch that movie. Yeah, oh, it's, my, on your it's my daughter-in-law. <laughs> uh, well, this, was, this has been an absolute blast. What a delight to have Chris back on again. Our first guest and our first returning guest. Uh, Chris, of course, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, let the people know in the curiosity of Connery Galaxy, whatever we want to call it, uh, where can they find you on the social media? Also, real quick, you can find Darby O'Gill on Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus, yeah. yes. Well, uh, thank you both for having me on again. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I love talking about a film I never thought I'd talk about on a podcast, so thank you ever so much. Um, if you want Thank to see... you for wanting to do it. <laughs> it means the uh, world. Oh, I, I appreciate that. It's, it, it, this has been a laugh. Um, if you want to see the Bond shenanigans I do, which is mainly necktie focused, you can find me on Instagram at British Bond Addicts. Um, that's the only kind of you know social media I have that I'm willing to share. The rest is, you know, probably illegal. So um, with that note, I'll... <laughs> Bond dildos? Oh, man. British Bond illegal. dildo addict. <laughs> the um, true Q-Lab. 
Yeah, but no, I'm on Instagram only. Um, the rest of my stuff is not Bond related. So, but no, absolute pleasure being on, and it's been so much fun talking about this film, guys. Thank you ever so much. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us, and and coming back. And are you you down for another episode? I'm Hell down Drivers, for, you said. I'm down for Hell Drivers if you are. Hell yeah, we are. Ooh, best of luck, best of luck finding an American copy of that film. That's the one where you struggle with. Do you did you say you have a copy of that film? I have the DVD, but it's only network for the UK, which means I can play on my British PS4, which is here, but it won't work on an American system. Hmm. Oh man. Okay. Well, I, I, well I have a I have a Universal Blu-ray drive that I wonder if it can from my Ooh. computer. I wonder if that might be able to play it. I'm happy to send it up. Either that, or I'll put the film on and live stream it to you. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, our first watch, watch party yeah. with a guest. That'd That's be kind not, of I'm opposed to that. <laughs> Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, let's try that. Yeah, because like the search for hell drivers, we got it. We got to see that the fifty-seven film, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a where to watch link here. Is it on? It's oh, it's a YouTube link. No way. Is it not not available? Oh, they must have. They must have pulled it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, fun fact: Patrick McGowan, the main actor, the prisoner, is the main actor in that film. Oh, look at that! Oh wow. Well, I've got you put down on the Connery Curious spreadsheet. I I will do whatever I can to be the first person to come back three times, <laughs> right? Breaking the five records. timers club. <laughs> yeah. With that being said, uh, speaking of that, Darby O'Gill, we do have a guest for. It's gonna be my wife. Oh no, uh, yes, we do. Alicia. Alicia oh, will be joining shit. us for her first. She's figured the what only happened? Connery film I probably care about is a Disney one. So <laughs> she did not. I I've tried to show her many a Bond, and she loves the Craig ones. Mufasa. <laughs> that means uh Long live the king. <laughs> that means we'll at this point we'll have both our partners on. Yep, we had Nicole on for from Rush with Love. Yeah. And uh yeah, Alicia next week for Darby O'Gill and the Little People. So yes, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh oh, Sean Connery will return in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Uh till then, I've been Mario Lima. I've been Dylan Titus. And I've been Christopher Hunt. And as always, folks. Stay curious and seen. You've been listening to Connery Curious, a Titus Compositions and Friggerners Media podcast. Follow us on social media for updates, memes, and clips. Find us on Twitter at CuriousPod007 and on Instagram at Connery Curious. You can also visit Titus Compositions at Titus Compositions to hear other podcasts and original music, watch music videos, or even pick up a great vinyl record. For more discussion and content about your favorite films, comics, games, and a network for all things nerdy, visit Friggin' Nerds Media on Twitter, at Friggin' Nerds. You can rate, review, and share the podcast in-app, which helps us grow the show and reach the other curious conneries out there. Thanks for spending time with us, and have a great day, but also, remember, stay curious. And I'm like, oh, I say, how jolly unremarkable that result. What, what? Ha <laughs> ha.